This episode of Long Walk Short Drink is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash LWSD. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash LWSD. I take my t-shirt collection very seriously. Like, Ash can attest to it. Like, yeah. I mean, there is nothing more powerful than a really good t-shirt that somebody can connect with. You fell? Yeah, I fell! Oh, shit, no. Jesus, my life is not exciting. Well, let's uh, not forget episode, what, two or three. <laughs> you come up a little delayed. Having... Oh, yeah. Sex <laughs> uh, crotch. That's what I always sex assume. Crotch. <laughs> yep. Oh, no, but I am sweaty. It's like it's like all the other after effects of that. Like <laughs> Jesus, who, who sweats while they nap? Oh, I don't Man. know. I sweat while I sleep for sure. <laughs> yeah. So how are you doing, man? Doing okay. Doing, I'm doing good. Awesome. How about you? Awesome. Uh, pretty good. Nice. I saw some cool pictures. I didn't take a close look at them, but it was neat to see your wall on the on the Twitter feed. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. That was. Uh, Jesus. Eight fifteen. Yeah. Were you sitting in there for fifteen minutes just waiting on listening to me snore? Probably. Oh no, I couldn't hear that, uh, and it gave me just enough time to look over my dead zone notes, of which I had a lot. So I was glad. Oh, good, time. good. That's exactly how I planned it. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, no, uh, things are, I, yeah, the, um, I had the last, it's the last set of questions, the last like assignment questions for the book club um, yeah. were all written and those, uh, got those all ready. I got, I went through, uh, my chapter um summaries uh just to refresh my memory because i'm actually almost done with the book again um on the audiobook so <laughs> how many times through uh, does that make uh that'll be the third time i've listened to it on audio and then uh um i mean i haven't really read it in the like the hard in the hardcover version i haven't read it really well, still, you've been three yeah. times through in the audio. <laughs> so, I realized, <laughs> I realized actually, if we end up taking a, uh, which welcome by the way, episode 25, can you believe that 25 I know. episodes? It's a like, lot. 
this is episode 25 of Long Walk Short Drink. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Uh, let's go ahead and start the live feed. You ready for that too? Yeah. All right. Let's do that too. On uh, three, two, and one. We are broadcasting. So that Twitter is going out now too. Everything's Hello, lighting up. Everything's lighting up. That long walk short drink is now broadcasting live. Welcome to episode 25 of Long Walk Short Drink. I am Palmer, broadcasting and recording live. Uh, yeah, that still works in Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> and I'm Dave, um, podcasting and broadcasting live. Well, yeah, I see what you where the hiccup yeah. came. <laughs> yeah, when you're yeah. hearing this, it was live for me, <laughs> and it is live now for you, though it was. Pre-recorded, unless you're listening on YouTube on our YouTube channel right now, on uh, which May 31st. You're, they're not. I can guarantee they're not because it says zero viewers. <laughs> Tell you not to look at that. <laughs> I have to look at it. I have to. <laughs> but I was just thinking, um, if we end up not recording next week, uh, that would mean because uh, I'm going to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. That's right. That is very exciting. Oh, which is so awesome. Uh, he's on my my bucket band li- uh, my bucket band list. Like, but that's the list of bands that I want to see before they die, not before I die. Uh, <laughs> um, I was going to ask you if you'd been to any of his shows before, but it sounds like not. Who else is on that list? Well, you two was on them on there, and I saw them, and. Uh, uh, BB King, I saw BB King. Oh, you did? That's great. Yeah. Uh, man, that was a great show. Hey, babe. Oh, look at that. Dun, dun, dun. Look, oh my Ash brought heavens. me six. Ash brought me six pounds of PBR. What a lady. Yeah, that's what she does. <laughs> look at that. I like uh, that. It's just her thumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hi, honey. Hi. Have a good I got nineteen thousand steps. Word. 19,000 steps. All right. Watch. Go watch us on TV downstairs. <laughs> Thanks for the beer. Watch the TV. Huh? Love you. I love you. It still says zero viewers. Thanks, babe. <laughs> I, I think that joke is hilarious. I could write that. I could write that zero viewer joke all night long. Like. You know what? Said? Don't don't watch <laughs> don't watch us. Yeah. Don't watch us. Don't don't come on the live feed because the zero viewer joke is funnier. <laughs> um, uh, prime so, number. Prime. It is a prime number. Um, I actually found two. I thought I had no beers, and then she left to go walk to go get her nineteen thousand steps, and I looked in the fridge and uh, I looked. Is that the right word I would use? Uh, there was two pounds of PBR still in the fridge. Must have been left over. Last time, can we talk about last time? Sure. Uh, <laughs> where I inadvertently drank nine beers while we were recording. I uh, nine pounds. Nine nine pounds of beer. I'm interested to he to listen to that episode because that episode has not aired as of yet. Um, and I am interested to hear that, to see if you can hear me drinking nine beers, because when we got by, like we got off 
just in time. I'm also curious to see how drunk I am at the end, how drunk <laughs> I sound at the end, because I got really drunk, like like spinny drunk, like almost throw up drunk. Oh, uh, that doesn't even sound fun to me. <laughs> yeah, no, for like, luckily I fell asleep real quick, but like for about 20 minutes, it was not fun at all. Uh, and I'm like, how did this eat? Like, you're 35 years old, like 36. Yeah, 36 years, 36. I'll be 37. In a row? Th- almost. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> the clerk's <laughs> trying joke. to suck any dick on the part, on your way to the party line. That's right. Hey, you, hey, get come back, back here. here. <laughs> Nicely done. Oh. Uh, I did. Um, so I, I uh, edited that one and. Uh, I cut out the times that you said it, you know, just just because I felt they could go. Like I, I didn't catch on as the guy on the other side of the conversation that you were so drunk. So I thought, um, I don't know. So I didn't. I took it out of the of the edit, though. Of course, all everything, warts and all, is always on the uh, YouTube. Um, yeah, live streams yeah. and the archives. I like thereof. it kind of just being like an Easter egg, you know, like. Uh... That, yeah. that case but uh, <laughs> maybe we can just like beep out when i say nine beers like i drank well <laughs> no no i, I, I like i like it as a, as a retrospective thing because if you're yeah. doing this oh, on the man. podcast oh. and you want to hear what it sounded like that when when palmer because there were a few times towards the end where you just thought you're like oh god i'm so drunk <laughs> i was just so drunk uh yeah no i don't Nash think you'd be the wiser even, even ash was just like Baby, you were re- I've never seen you like that. It's like I know I don't. I, I don't like to get like that. Did you? Uh, so oh. I was just to finish the thought uh, of any listeners hearing this in the podcast. Um, you could check out the unedited uh, video archive on our YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and search for Long Walk Short Drink and subscribe. There's a playlist called Live Streams where you can also um. Tune in live when we record, usually Wednesdays, and uh, watch it watch it unfold live. And then after that, it goes into the archive there. But those are always unedited because it's pretty automated. So you can you can catch all the <laughs> all the stuff that doesn't that is deemed uh, too. It's like an ultimate trade off because like you get everything, like everything that's said, <laughs> yeah. you know, right? But you, but also you don't you get, get any you don't get any of the <laughs> polish that Moto and you put on, you know, like make it sound fun and like all the that's what she said you know yeah. and like keep it, all that stuff keep it lively keep it moving uh yeah so uh, the last two that i edited 30 or 22 which is the revenge show and 24 which is the one we were talking about where you got really drunk yeah 40 minutes came out of the revenge show <laughs> where, wow where there was also a lot of drinking and i think about 30 minutes 20 to 30 minutes came out of um the other one which is, uh, yeah. it's hard to say what it is. A lot of times for me, as stuff I seize upon is just, you know, cross talking that happens on the internet from the internet lag where we're starting sentences over again and stuff. But, right. Um, but yeah, so I did, I, I rarely make a lot of content judgments like that. But sometimes I do if, if I feel like it'll, it'll benefit the whole thing overall. But, um, what uh yeah so what are some of those other uh that that bucket list that's gonna that's a, that's an exciting uh, idea to me um i'm trying to think i mean you got some good ones it, on there yeah uh, you know the i i guess that would pretty much be it uh 
I mean, those are the ones that like jump to the top of my head, but there's always bands that if the opportunity were to come up, like, um, I'm not even a huge fan of theirs, but, uh, the Pixies hmm. came through Columbus and, um, I'm, while I'm not a huge Pixie fan, I know they're like hugely influential and they influenced a ton of bands that I do like. Yeah. And they also like were hugely inf influential to uh, David Fincher, who used their song like at the end of Fight Club in the last scene yeah. of Fight Club. And I'm just, and like that movie has a huge impact on my life. Like there's that, that movie affected. That's probably in my top five movies that affected me. Um, you you mentioned these lists, and all I want to hear is the other. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't actually uh, have five. <laughs> and not yeah. Mr. J, or do you? Because I'm pretty sure Mr. Know. J could rattle them off, uh, though I haven't, haven't asked him on mic. Um, do you have some other company, at least maybe three others that spring to mind? Of movies that I feel or like in those shaped top five, yeah. Um... Fight Club, definitely. So three more besides that. Uh, v for Vendetta, I would say. Whoa. Um, Pulp Fiction, definitely. Um, let me think here. Goonies, mm -hmm. I, I mean, definitely. Uh, You know, you don't hear. I, I, I would not put. While I'm huge, a huge fan of Star Wars, I wouldn't say that like helped shaped who I am as a person. Hmm. And uh, while I love the Alien franchise, I don't think that helped. Like that's not. There's not a message in that movie that I help relate to. Oh, know? that's interesting. Uh, that makes me want to dedicate shows to those movies. Yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, I'm always, uh, I'm always up for adding more shows that we need to do to the list. You know, but just when we get around to it, you know. Yeah, yeah, top, we'll get there top, eventually. Top five, volume one. You know. Yeah. Um, that's a, so, that's yeah. a good list, man. Yeah. I do want to. I want to do a Fight Club show just because. Oh, that would be so good. I've never given that movie a great deal of time since the time it came out. Um. And I would like to read the book, and I know it's a it's a big movie for you. Um, I talked about it with Pumps a lot at a certain time, and maybe like 2004 or so. I think he was watching it every day. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's one that I seize upon. I'd love to, especially it's fun when there's books attached. But obviously, some movies like Goonies and Pulp Fiction, like you, you don't need a. Yeah, well, right. We talk a lot about books on this show that are made into movies, but uh, certainly not a criteria for an amazing film. Oh, absolutely not. And and I mean, I could argue that there are probably more films that more adaptations that are bad than the good ones we talk about. You know? Oh, yeah, uh, that's very true. Whereas there are, I feel like, a fair amount of good movies than there are really shit movies like even really shit movies start to become really good uh the room being oh see I've, i haven't seen that i've heard Neither of it of course. i that oh. would be a great that would be a great like one for us to like 
do and review since oh neither God, of us have yes. seen it. That's a uh, great idea. Um, I'm very motivated to watch that. I thought for yeah. a second we should watch it together and do like a commentary, but it'd be better if we could probably watch it and think about it. How about if we watched it and we did an episode where we talked about it, but then did a commentary after that? Oh, yeah. Where yeah. we're just like, I was thinking that. Can how... you believe this shit? Or like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Though, in a way, oh. I love your. Um, we haven't we haven't done it a lot, um, but I think it's a great. Um, I, I think it's a great idea. That idea that you can't talk about a movie longer than the movie itself. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we should do that next time we talk about uh, a movie. Set so that that timer. I think that's more fun in a way than being trapped to the to the scene. Plus, it'd be hard to synchronize with our location. Oh sure, absolutely, absolutely. A lot of our um, early shows though were. Uh, were were those kind of dedicated to a movie like and it's been a while since yeah. we did that and that's a very fun thing. Of course the books is is the same but it's a in but it's different. <laughs> well, and all the way here's the long walk for the short drink all the way back to the original point that I was trying to make. If we end up taking next week off from recording that will give me more time to watch the adaptations of The Dead Zone. Oh yeah. When, Likewise. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh so um but the next show, whenever it is, we'll talk about basically the last, the, the last part of the book. The last and then part of the book. The, yeah. yeah. But I feel like to get through the television show, um, which I should check and see how many seasons that is. Uh, but to get through all the seasons of the television show and the That's movie. That's a lot. You don't have to do all yeah. that. Just watch like the pilot, if, if anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'll see. Let me see. Let's see how many seasons. Pilot was the, the pilot. Uh, you know those shows they put on TV? I don't watch TV. Yeah, but you know there is this uh invention called television. And on this I don't I Oh man, you're so I'm, close. That was I had good. so much I had too much cake. <laughs> that was Did pretty like, good though. <laughs> I, I have never had like I have never been spot obviously. I mean I, I listened to, like it's part of my uh je ne sais quoi of like I, I almost know, like I almost know the quotes, like I almost get it right. Like, um, that's, I know it just, a, it, but it fits into like my whole, we, we've talked about this before. Like I know just enough about something to have a conversation about it, but not be an expert in it, you yeah. know? Um, and it's the same with like my commitment to movie, like double D is like, double D. Uh, yeah, Double D is like got a like a fantastic memory for quotes on movies, and uh, I I'm always the one that's like, what's that from? What's that from? You know? Yeah, uh, I do that a little bit. So, does he want to talk to us on 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 the air someday? We should get this man on mic. Yeah, we got to get we get, well, we got to do the Disney. So let's get um, we'll do a little tease here, but I we got to be careful because uh, the last part of the book. Is gonna, and and we'll start to get into this a little bit uh, today when we talk about the third part of the book. But the last part of the book really deals with some. I want to be able to discuss some correlations to the politics that are occurring in the book to current politics. Mm. And I would love Twinkie to be a part of that conversation. However, I do not want to put him in an awkward position oh yeah i didn't think of that because because of that conversation so um 
Uh, that's, I mean, that's one thing to consider that. So maybe the, because I also, uh, we could talk about maybe oh, one yeah. of the summation ones. Cause he's one of the folks I know that's been going through the book club with us. Right. So, um, and to be fair to the show, I also want to not have to stifle that conversation. If it goes, I, I know it's going to go in that direction mainly because I'm going to steer it in that direction. Oh man. And today too. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> this, I, I, this I mean, current junk. absolutely. So. Uh, it, there's, uh, that's, it, it, it's just something to consider. I just want to be, I just want to take that in. That's in a good idea. Too. I, I so, haven't thought about that. I think that's probably important for all of us. Um, I think though we should do the Disney episode sooner rather than later. Um, and I also think, uh, <laughs> oh, hey, sorry. I want to keep you your. She doesn't know. It's the bride. She doesn't know that it's live broadcast. <laughs> if you want to get no, a fleeting a... ghost-like glimpse of the bride, you have to go to watch yeah. the uh, the YouTube yeah. archive of number twenty-five. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there's. Uh, what was I saying? I'm sorry. Yeah, she's been creeping over my shoulder. <laughs> you yeah. know, when I was out here uh, catching up on the my notes and stuff, when you dozed off, she was oh, like, yeah, my... she was just like doing a dance and flicking me off, or like Paul Rudd or something, <laughs> and Paul <the whole> model. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. These shoes. Okay. Sorry. Do you have any idea what you were talking about before that? Um, oh, no. So I was saying uh, we should. Um, I would love to do the Disney episode with them mainly. Uh, but we should do that sooner rather than later. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'll see Stan the Man, right? For Tom Petty. Oh, yeah. I'm going out with Stan the Man and his beautiful wife and Ash and I are all going to Tom Petty. So uh, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that. It's going to be so great. So, I mean, if you're going to not be able to record or you know, to get to go to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers for the first time in your life, it's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, you know, alternative. It's plans. a good. It's a good. It's a good. God damn. Yeah. yeah. So. Really good. Really good. As I, so, uh, I was hearing myself on 23, I still, I've never quite gotten into them, but I always liked the idea of it. And I know there's that great documentary on Netflix, which. Yeah. It might it's be like a good. Four uh, plus intro. hours. Like, um, it, it's, it's amazing the amount of artists he has worked with. Oh, you really? Know? Like, oh yeah. Like. Well, I mean, just the like the traveling Wilburys. Fuck yeah! I think that oh, I think man. that's the name of his band. Is, yes, sir. Is, and it's well, like Moto is a, especially a fan of that band. Like, Moto basically calls the traveling Wilburys Steve with famous people. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Like, yeah, because <laughs> it's like George Harrison and like um, Roy Orbison and him and is Bob Eric Dylan. Clapton in it? No, oh, Bob, Dylan. Bob Dylan. Yeah, yeah. Bob Dylan. Yeah. And it's like, are you kidding me? It's like all these amazing artists who just enjoyed recording together and was like, we should make an album. And that's what they did. And Jeff Lynn, yeah. Who, who, Jeff Lynn. Oh, Jeff uh, Lynn, yeah. He did a lot of work with George Harrison. And uh, he's the guy that wrote and sang the, you know, the, oh, welcome to the human race. I can't think of how it goes. Yeah. It's, it's a famous song, um, but I can't think of the rest of it. But but uh, yeah, Moto's a big fan of uh, of the documentary about Jeff Lynn, and and then also he showed me the documentary that came out a few years ago about the Traveling Wilburys, and he says it's Steve with famous people because a lot of it is shot just on VHS, and so for oh wow listeners to our yeah. podcast, um, 
myself and various other cabin kids, see episode one, <laughs> had a band called Steve. And so it was, we had a, we have a documentary about ourselves because that's yeah. what I do. Oh, well, and now that's got to get on the YouTube page. Like. Oh man. So, oh, I would like, yeah. That's the thing as I've been archiving these things digitally over the last few years, I realized like even with the crow or whatever, the crow documentary, it's like, oh man, at this point I would love to share it. I doubt like the crow people would come after me like they did then. But I don't want to embarrass like the people who I knew in high school and don't know now that yeah. be like, you know, exposing them for I don't being know. part of the project. <laughs> I think we should still share the Steve documentary. I think Steve, we could probably get we could get sign off on from various guys. One of the things I'm excited to do is we did a we did a DVD commentary <laughs> for, for the, the Steve documentary. Yeah, I think I, isn't there something funny with Logan on that where he's just yes. like, like it's almost like a JCVD actually Lo- where he's like, well, what do I talk about? Like, the, like no, what happened with Logan is Logan probably had that nine pounds of beer and uh, he oh. he had it was right before I don't know I don't yeah I don't want to reveal more than he wants to know about what he does for a living, but it was right before he made that change. And I think, I don't know if oh, he was yeah. nervous about it or whatever. This was a bit of a last, um, hurrah of sorts, <laughs> but yeah, somehow all of the members of that, of that band were together. When we were making music together, we were in our early twenties, like 21 or so. And for the most part, we were spread across uh, the country, but from the same place. So we would try to make music when we come back on breaks. So l- unlike most people started a band in high school, we started a band after high school when we couldn't spend time together. <laughs> uh, but but then um, one of the ways in which we... Painting houses and eating sandwiches. Exactly. Oh my God. That's yeah. some of the magic. This is what I'm getting towards with this commentary. So just, I mean, for people who aren't familiar, um, the way that we were able to kind of get together was to do so at the cable access center where I worked. So we could come to that space. We could rehearse there or whatever, but the only stipulations, this is also where we shot, uh, where Palmer and I did our show Palmer's picks and mine to Philip back in the day. And, uh, in the early two yeah. thousands and 1999, um, the only stipulation there is that you couldn't make money and you had to provide the station programming. Mm-hmm. So um, that was no problem for someone who was growing accustomed to making documentaries about himself and the <laughs> friends he had <laughs> and their creative endeavors. So uh, there was actually at that time an, one other person working there other than me. And so at times I would just rehearse the band and during the like last hour of his shift or whatever, or maybe he'd stay after off the clock to sort of film us interacting with each other. And uh and so this was in like the summer of 2000 and then we were recording an album. So there was some recording of that. Uh, and then we got together when that album was finished in the fall for winter break and played a few shows and stuff. And then that was kind of it, but we had tons of hours of footage of the documenting almost the entire existence of the quote unquote band. Uh, and we were not exactly contractually obliged, but it was a nice convenient excuse that we were supposed to provide quote unquote programming for the station. Right. So, um, so when I, in 2004, when I moved back to Ohio and was getting divorced and had that shit ton of free time on my hands, (laughs) I took that footage and made it into like a documentary that I really think is quite good. (laughs) Like granted it's about people that no one cares about, but 
there's a story there of which I'm like one so. of the villain, <laughs> to be honest. It was interesting. To f- oh, yeah. If you watch it again, like I uh, have a very negative presence in the thing. Anyway, but so I made this thing, um, which is a practice I've come to repeat at times. And I'm working on one right now where I process my life through these bizarre documentaries. But when's the um, I do want to know when the long walk short drink documentary starts filming. Oh, I guess we're filming right now, right? It's going to be an all. Yeah, all you're going to have streamed. all this, like all this footage, <laughs> like all this footage to like archival footage That's to go amazing. through. I had a thought it's going to be that. like a, it's going to be like a 10 hour long documentary. It's going to have to be. There's a lot to dis- to discuss. <laughs> the Ken Burns of Dave documentaries on the long, long, short drink. Like, have the most limited palette of like visual. It's just like different yeah. Palmer t-shirt, different Palmer t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and like the beards yeah. <laughs> oh my uh, god oh so let me, I, that was a very long walk that bring it in for this very short drink or a very uh, i have a pint drink actually but uh so yeah we made i made this like documentary and this was about two th- late 2004 2000 early late 2004 early 2005 we were i was able to make dvds at this time which now i know we're onto blu-ray and streaming and stuff but whatever um and somehow all five guys in the band were together in in my basement that I'd, you know, just moved back into my parents' basement a year prior. And Larry, I was spending a lot of time with Larry at the time. He was yeah. he actually helped me a great deal with just making choices about what to include in the documentary. Um Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a let's just get down a little rabbit hole there. But uh like I remember there's a scene in the documentary where I sing this song of mine that at the time I dedicated to who would later become my ex-wife. <laughs> right. Uh, and Larry's wife burst into tears when I d- like out loud burst into tears when we were watching raw footage of that. Cause I was thinking like, let's not include this. <laughs> and, and he was like, he just kind of like motioned over to her is like, well, <laughs> You know, I think we, I think you got like, there's an emotional thread here, even though that relationship isn't followed in the movie. Anyway, so it it was very fun to put that film together. It came out very nicely and was a nice exercise in storytelling for me and a nice little snapshot of the band for all of us. But we found ourselves able to be in one place at one time and watch it. And Larry was super familiar with it and moderated the conversation. So there are six, six guys and Moto. Six guys on mic wow. and Moto in a room running sound. So he's not running it later. He's mixing it live, and we all had microphones. Right. And we're watching it together, and, like, there's certain guys that, like, there's little riffs, like the sandwiches and the painting. And um, <laughs> yeah. And Logan is just pounding beers. And, and at one point, he's just like, I raise goats. <laughs> What? Yeah, he was just like I raise goats. He said that, I believe. <laughs> and uh oh man, it's epic. Uh the row was there and the row and I were big fans of the commentary immediately after it's finishing recording. And we hit like stop and we we're like holy shit, let's go listen to this. <laughs> so there's a video feed as well. And that's what I was kind of getting towards as well as I'd love to put up not only the Steve documentary but like it's it's a 4/3, like it's not widescreen at all. It's like the yeah. old uh, and so is the commentary feed, which is like one of these, like a static image. So I want right. to put up the commentary with the, the thing so that not only could you watch the movie, but you could watch us watch the movie and, oh, and that bust would be... balls and stuff. 
Ooh. That would be awesome. Okay. Fuck this. Yeah. Let's talk Dead Zone. <laughs> you want to talk Dead Zone? Wait, wait. Before we go, I have an idea. So I, 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 it's been two episodes that I've been trying to spit this out. <laughs> All right, try. It. Go, go ahead. But I have, a, I have an idea for a new. Uh, hang on. Not literally spit it know, out. I don't know how you can. <laughs> how come you can't just share it with us? <laughs> Why you can't get a word <laughs> in edgewise? <laughs> um. So. I have this idea for this new uh, promotion or whatever. So uh, my T and, it, and it's already come up in this conversation. So my T-shirts, right? Like, oh, I like this. Okay, so um, if there are, if there is a listener who, if you happen to have a T-shirt, if you send me a T-shirt, basically, I'll wear it on an episode. Oh, cool! Of uh, like uh, on us recording, so. Uh, uh, under two stipulations, it's got to fit and it's got to be cool, and it can't have uh, like so that <clears throat> that means cool. it can't be like you can't like. I was just gonna say like you can't have a giant douche on the front of it, but then I'm like, no, I would wear that shirt. Uh, uh, um, so I, I hope the it. first one is a giant douche T-shirt. No, but um, no like hate stuff or anything. Like I'm not gonna wear oh, that. Yeah. I, I will yeah. just return to sender that stuff. I'm not sure how uh, long. Uh, ooh, like Johnny fucking Smith. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would do. Um, but I also have requests for so, it, and it's got to fit me. So if you just reach out to me um, at uh, LWSD Palmer on Twitter, you can reach out to me there. You can send private messages on Twitter, right? Yeah, isn't that terrible? PM. I don't even know that. Yeah, so just send me a PM on Twitter um, at LWSD Palmer. Uh, I can get you the details. Uh, and the size, I need, I need like a, you know, I'm a big guy. I need like a four X. So, you know, just consider those two things on the other side too. I'm thinking about putting this out, like requests for t-shirts. Cause I'm not an artist, but I have great ideas for t-shirts. Right. Yeah, so this is like my first idea for a t-shirt. So this t-shirt that I'm wearing right here, uh, actually my dad and stepmom got me this for Christmas one year. Uh, it's Batman and he's knocking out the Joker on I know it. that image. Yeah. Yeah, and so, but the, if you look, there's this cartoon right here, this little bubble right here, which that would have, like, if this was the Adam West Batman, it would have, like, kapow in there or something like yeah. that, right? So there's this street in Dayton called Kiawe. It's like K-E-O-W-E-E, -E -E, Kiawe, right? So I... all. Once I saw the name of that street, I always thought it sounded like an onomatopoeia, like kapow. Yeah. And so I always pictured like kiawee, like in one of those bubbles, like one of those bubbles like that. So this is the idea of the shirt. So it's this image of Batman po punching out the Joker, but it's one of the Wright brothers being punched out by Rudy the Flyer, which is the UD mascot. And the Wright brother, one of the Wright brothers, or like the Wright brothers getting in a fight with Rudy the Flyer. Anyways, they're getting in the fight, and when they make the punching gesture in that thing, it says Kiawe in it, and then underneath it says Dayton, Ohio. Nice. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot to there, but if you want to, you know, if you're not, if you don't have anything going on, <laughs> and you happen to be the one person watching the live feed right now. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, we got one person. Hi, out there, YouTube. No, it's it's not me. It's probably Ash. That's uh, nice. Just, yeah, <laughs> like 
a fangirl. Like, she what can I say? Anything. I got a fangirl. Like, I got a fangirl. Um, but, you know, if you got nothing else going on and just feel like designing a shirt that's really abstract and a joke for some fat dude that lives in Dayton. Uh, we don't, uh, if we had a website, <laughs> that would yeah. be the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> fat dude that lives in Dayton. Uh, it, uh, no, starting with like, if you've got nothing going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they can um, also reach out to the, uh, we have an email address because I can imagine not everyone is on Twitter. So if you go to, or if you write to lwsdpod at gmail.com. Oh yeah, we'll you can do it. that too. Yeah. Yeah, that'll work. So that's, that was my new, that was I my like new that. bit that that's I was cool. thinking. Like, just like, I mean, you know, I will never get a t-shirt, but if I did get an awesome t-shirt, I would wear it. So, yeah. because of course, so with, with much gratitude. Yeah, we should start a t-shirt segment where we or like, you can take pictures of, cause you got it as we've discussed with, uh, Mr. J, uh, once or on the Mr. J episode, he wasn't on the call yet, but the, there's a great story behind all these t-shirts. And you've got a great oh, collection. Yeah. It'd be fun to just even share somehow those shirts to help kind of inspire other shirts. Uh, I take my t-shirt collection very seriously. Like Ash can attest to it. Like, yeah. And she can witness like the power. I, I mean, there is nothing more powerful than a really good t-shirt that somebody can connect with because mm-hmm. it is such a great conversation starter because so many strangers... It's endless. So many strangers, like even the bride can tell you uh, when we were out there visiting last summer, we went to Mall of America to just like look around because it's Mall of America. Yeah. And um, I was wearing my Walter Sobchek uh, T-shirt that says Market Zero on it. Right. And uh, <clears throat> and uh, it's got him like doing the point and he's like screaming oh, and it yeah. says Market Market Zero. <laughs> and uh we're just walking down the middle of the mall, just like catching up and talking. And this dude just like pops out of the store and he's like, Hey, that is an amazing t-shirt. And like, <laughs> and I mean, it was a great, he used it as a segue to a sales pitch, but I mean, uh, shit, it's, yeah. it's still like, but that you know, was a genuine connection with the shirt. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, but there's been tons of times that people have like just come up and started to talk to me because of a t-shirt that I was wearing. So, you know, never underestimate the power of a really, well-designed t-shirt and the kind of in-joke of them are fun like the yeah. bride can attest also to wearing a few t-shirts that i think she has waited years for someone to acknowledge <laughs> and i am so disappointed in the world that they haven't so she has a a lost t-shirt that's the dharma logo right but nothing right. else like it doesn't say lost it's just the dharma right. logo and i don't think anyone has ever like said anything about it uh Oh, that's so, and I know that feeling because I have those t-shirts too. That's frustrating. Like, yeah. And another one she's got is, uh, do you know uh, the show Orphan Black? Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of that show. And actually I like you guys highly recommend, like that's you guys are the, where I've heard of that show. Oh yeah. That that show is, that show is excellent. Really amazing. Um, and, and actually anyone, so uh, I'm not a fan of sci-fi just for sci-fi sake. Like that has to be like, Oh, it's sci-fi, but, <laughs> and then I'll, and I'll listen. Right. And that's a, that's a show that, that falls into that category. Uh, but I've never, I've never seen this show before. Uh, it's about mostly clones, but, uh, it's so much more than that. It's so funny. It's so heartfelt. It's a really fantastic show. At one point, one of the clones 
runs for mayor, I think. Yeah. And so the bride has a shirt uh, that's, that's the shirt in the show that they wear, like the T-shirt for so-and-so for mayor, like elect Allison Hendricks for mayor. So you right. have to know the show to recognize the T-shirt, but it's a very like recognizable color and all that. Still nobody. And we're just like, come on people <laughs> but someday yeah, when like, somebody does recognize it like you'll know that that is a quality human in your tribe <laughs> you know? well and and it is there is nothing more vindicating though when that shirt finally is recognized by a person that's just like it's the same thing with my dark tower tattoo like oh yeah i i went i went year easily years and it was like the first three people to realize it was a Dark Tower tattoo all happened within three months. Really? All within like this span where I was like, you got to be shitting me. Like, yes, that's a Dark Tower tattoo. Like, you're the third person to point it out like in the last month. And I've had it for three years now. Like, yeah, it's Dark Tower. Um, there's nothing more vindicating, though, when that finally happens. So just like hold strong. And like, that's not... It's like it is a bummer when nobody does like find the same like value in it that you do, but that does shouldn't deter you from wearing it. Like you still feel like it still should always go back to like you wear it because you find a personal connection to the shirt. So, and I found that's an in, an interesting thing uh, that I think maybe we touched on, but maybe we haven't. Uh, I know we need to get to the book club and stuff too, so I don't want to belabor the point. But the it's interesting about how geek culture has become kind of mainstream and the right. internet has allowed people to connect that there isn't, you don't get to have as much of a sense of like having these personal things that people don't know about. I don't know. Like as somebody who's always would have detailed knowledge rather than overview knowledge, like you used to have to get that detailed knowledge from like buying stuff whatever Starlog magazine and shit yeah um, so it was and harder like to watching come commentaries and like yeah. uh, like all that stuff yeah yeah and so at that especially with that being the the currency then people knowing things from those sources was really meaningful and now uh i don't know it just seems a a, a bit different um or I'm going with that. <laughs> Somebody cut it out, but can't, you can't, I can't turn can't that turn around, around. <laughs> turn, turn around, turn the ship around. I heard somebody talk about this recently, this idea of fandom being different now and it being harder to be a fan in some ways, or I feel a pressure. Like I, I feel like there is this unspoken pressure that you are constantly challenged as a fan by other fans. Like, why can't you just, it, it, and you have to be, so that causes then the need to be, to know everything and to be the best at being a fan of something. And then it just becomes an obsession. Then there, then there's just a group of people where it's an obsession that just makes it not fun. For, then it's, it ends up becoming not fun for other fans or almost intimidating to enter. You know what I mean? Like yeah, actually that makes a lot of sense. That is where I was trying to get to. Thank you. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I don't know. There are definite, there are definite things that I have thought about, uh, wanting to be a part of 
that the people who are fans of that intimidate me to the point that it's it wouldn't it has kept me from joining them uh oh that sucks <laughs> you know like uh just because i or and not in the sense that maybe i'm doing that unfairly cuz the example that i'm thinking of is like um is doctor who right mm. the bride got uh, into that recently yeah which has a huge fan base right it's not the fans that intimidate me it's the fact that there's if you want to be considered a huge fan Hoovian. that is a <laughs> that is a gigantic universe to to just start now you know what i mean like it, and the other and then the other side of it is i'm a completist and there are there are actual episodes of doctor who that are lost forever that you'll never oh that nobody will like that's tough there's like i understand there's like a there's like a handful of episodes that there's a, like one of them there's only there's a polaroid with a television in the background and that episode is on and that's the only frame of that episode that's known to exist oh my god <laughs> and i'm just like as soon as i, I read that i'm just like <laughs> I will never be a Doctor Who fan. Like I'll never. <laughs> oh, this is Isn't why that we're terrible. Isn't no, it's not terrible. terrible. It's perfectly understandable. <laughs> like I'm like I will never watch one episode of that show. If there's one episode that I'll never be able to see, it's not worth watching any of them. Like I don't know. That's probably debatable, but you're talking to a guy that understand that certainly. Yeah. So you know what's funny um, too is the bride is. Is similarly, she has those kind of berries, but she doesn't want to finish things. So, like, one of her oh. favorite television shows of all time is Alias. She's never yeah. seen the last episode because she doesn't what? want it to be over. <laughs> That's, yeah. My old man was like that. Really? Yeah. About what? Um, Stephen King books, <gasps> actually. What? You mean he finishing would, them? Or yeah, he would he would read them all. Uh, he would get up to. The last, I don't know, maybe like 30 to 50 pages and then take like three months to read them because he doesn't want it to end. Oh, like, wow. And then when like audio, when he would switch to audio books, like he would, he would just like listen for like five minutes at a time and then stop it just because he didn't <laughs> want it. Like he didn't want it to end. Like he liked oh, it too much. I and didn't like, realize he was that into it. Yeah. And, uh. Uh, like <clears throat> under the, under the dome is a great example. He did that where he uh read under the dome and then spent like three months getting through the last you know little bit of the book. And finally, like I was talking to him, he's like, "I finished that book finally," and I'm like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "What do you think?" He's like, "Man, I read the last page and threw it across the truck." I'm like, "Why?" <laughs> it was like. It had really good resolution. Like he did a great job of like summing out, like tying everything up. And he's like, yeah, that's why I threw it across the truck. Cause it was over. Oh, like my wow. my father was just like a child. He just like threw tantrums like that. Like, <laughs> and I, I do too. I'm not, I, and it makes me ashamed when I do it, but that's oh, where no, I get you it shouldn't. from. Both of those things are awesome. That level of investment and anything is uh, enviable, you know. Yeah. That's that's really great. Oh, don't, you shouldn't so, feel bad about that. That's no, I feel bad that I throw tantrums like a child. That's oh, what I feel yeah. bad about. Like, not that I invest <laughs> myself as like in these 
Oh, anything. sure. That, I, can, like, I can relate to that. Um. <laughs> I, I have <laughs> I never, though, subscribed to that where it's like, I want, I'm just going to like postpone. I could not imagine that not re- watching. If Alias is her favorite show and never watching the last episode, no way. I would, I, that makes my skin crawl, the idea <laughs> of that right now, like knowing that she's 60 minutes away from having the whole story. Oh, that's, that's you know interesting. What I mean? you know, sometimes like the, where, you, where like, this is a weird connection where we're right on the precipice of such a great segue with the Stephen King book. So I kind of want to say, yeah. that. but I'll just say quickly, I love the show mad about you. <laughs> <laughs> I get into it in great detail. However, I won't hear the last episode of that show fucking sucks and ruins like it. This like, this is what happens to these people the rest of their lives. And some of it is the last thing you would want to have happen. And I'm just like, I wish that didn't even exist in my mind. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I mean, it's not, I'm sure there are fans. Atheist, but. <laughs> no, but I'm sure there are fans of, any friend like they're okay we're both lost fans mm-hmm. i i'm a huge fan of the la- of the finale of lost i think that they wrapped it up they did a beautiful job of wrapping up the show and if you if you do just even a minimum amount of research like it, it, i think where a lot of people don't like the finale is they just don't get it and and a lot of it is left up to interpretation but there are pieces to get about that finale that are really hard to get. And so if you just do a minimum amount of research to get those things, like it makes that finale beautiful in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but I know there are fans who know all of those things and still are like, that was such a slap in the face. Sopranos fans who hate the last episode of Sopranos. Like that's a very polarizing finale. Oh, right. Um, I haven't seen that one. I think about it. Uh, taking that show on. It's like that thing where it's like, it's a big commitment and you have to be ready to dive in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Saint elsewhere. Do you remember Saint elsewhere? I remember uh, the show existing, but I never watched it. It, it was like a, a predecessor to like ER, right? Like sure, Howie yeah. Mandel was on that show. It was oh, like, that's a, right. It was like a, a, a hospital drama dramedy show, right? Mm-hmm. That just like uh, that show's finale ended with a pan out of the hospital into that pans out and it's a snow globe. Like that hospital is inside a snow globe and the entire show was took place in the mind of an autistic boy. Oh my God. God, looking at the snow globe, horrendous. Like, isn't that a fucking like that? Like, I gotta make sure that's the right show. Hang on, hang on, hang on, because <laughs> I don't want to get lambasted for. Uh, let's see oh, here. Yeah, Saint. the internet police is very up on fan elsewhere, <laughs> and we are here to tell you <laughs> you're fucking wrong. Saying elsewhere ending. The final and controversial ending to the popular '80s drama Saying Elsewhere. The most common interpretation of the scene is that the entire series events in the, in, in the series scene elsewhere have been a product of Tommy Westfall's imagination with elements of the above scene used as its own evidence. And then they have the scene on YouTube. So let me, uh, we should Ooh. probably. Yeah, I'm curious now. Uh, copy. Um, all right. So, yeah, let's go back. So, I mean, this, this, this thing is. 
Um, one Wait, minute and nineteen like, seconds. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm at zero. So I'm, I, I'm at zero too. So, um, all right. So let's just do this on three. Two, oh wait, no, we don't count. It's on three, right? <laughs> That's the Palmer's picks uh, way. <laughs> and three. Careful with that, son. Oh, that actor. Remember, I told you that. I don't understand this autism thing, Pop. Oh my God. Here's my son. I talk to him. I don't even know if he can hear me. He sits there all day long in his own world, staring at that toy. Oh, so not a pan out, it's a pan in onto the snow globe. Oh, I recognize this theme song. I think this is Dave yeah. Grusin of uh, Fabulous Baker Boys fame. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> awesome. And then that's the hospital that the whole show oh, that the yeah. whole show takes place in. Now does that actor in the is that actor in the show, the dad there? No. Oh no. He's like a, just, he's, a, he's great, that guy. Like it, it's literally a pullout of the it's a a break from the reality wow. of the show. Like it so if you were a fan of that show that had followed that show, like wouldn't that piss you the fuck off? Like Yeah, like it validates you, the whole thing. Yeah. So I mean I know there's polarizing endings to shows. Um I j but at the same time though, I would much rather know. Like my like my brain would eat me alive wondering. I have to know it all. I have to know the story. <laughs> Sorry. The bride's doing the fin middle finger dance. I was trying to get her to flash me. Oh, we're talking I thought, about the yeah, last I, episode I, Alias. <laughs> I, I thought you were making the flashing the flashing gesture. I was wondering if we're there not were actually boobs talking about it. We're talking about why why you haven't watched it. <laughs> That's all right. Okay. You ever going to watch it? I said, uh, are you ever going to watch it? And she goes, yeah, I'm going to watch it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> She's wearing a strap shirt. Oh, yeah, she is. You know, that reminded me uh, of, uh, let me just ask you a question and see if you remember yeah. the answer. You fell? Yeah, I fell! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I didn't hear you say that. Something came up earlier in the conversation, and I was like, I wonder if he remembers that. So for our listeners yeah. who don't instantly did recognize I did, did I that. Did I do it right? Did I do that did right? Perfectly. Like right? Okay. Perfectly. <laughs> that is from Phenomenon. Yep. <laughs> 1996 movie, I think, with John yeah. Travolta. <laughs> I don't oh, know. I'm How it? So I don't know why it's so funny, but Jesus. It is so funny. Because <laughs> yeah, fam! If anyone has seen that movie, we might need to watch the trailer. Because he, he, John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> oh, man. Our whole zero viewers are going to be laughing their ass off watching us. Oh, 
Oh, Jesus. That's like the most inside of inside jokes, but everyone can be a part of it if they watch Phenomenon. Oh, So that in that movie, like John Travolta sees some kind of like, I don't know, is it an alien or something? Maybe you don't know in the movie. A flash from the sky. And he falls over, and then he starts to have these powers, which oddly enough ties into our book club. Um, I don't remember what his powers are exactly. Can you find that trailer? <laughs> oh, oh trailer? yeah, I can find the Phenomenon trailer. I I was, I'm it. looking for the exact scene, though, where he says, oh, yeah, I fell. Uh, now I just want to know what the movie's about. <laughs> I kind of don't remember. Um, so he's So I can give you a synopsis of the movie. He uh, is kind of... Uh, like a Lenny from Of Mice and Men, but like he's not like a, slow. <laughs> like, he, but he no, is he, he is kind of a little oh. slow, like like just kind oh, of like an a, like he's an average Joe, but he's like he is a little bit. Okay, and he's outside of the local bar, and has like looks up in the sky, and a flash comes out of the sky and like flashes through him, and that's when he goes back in the bar to talk about how what just happened but anyways he ends up like his iq like exponentially increases throughout the rest of the movie um to the point that he gains super sensory skills uh because he in the theory is is that he taps into a higher uh level of brain use uh, because of this increase in his intelligence um I found the trailer actually. If I put it in the in the sheet. I'm curious. I feel like the still of it is Forrest Whitaker, and I think he's asking the question. Wait, you fell? Yeah, yeah, fell. Yeah, fell. Knock me on my ass. Knock me on my ass. That's. Uh, do you have it? Let's watch it. Sorry, just to entertain my nonsense wait, wait, wait. here. Okay, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Okay, so on three, on the Palmer's picks, three, three. Oh, it's like squished. It is squished. That's weird. Oh, Touchstone. Man, Touchstone. Do they make shit anymore? I don't think so. I don't think they do either. There's all these. I. <clears throat> I have like sensory oh, memory of something. like Extra to offer film I company logos. Oh, me too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Dick joke. Drinking. Just great. <laughs> this is like Travolta in his comeback heyday. Yeah. Oh, he's like toasting the town clock. Yeah. Ooh. Now he's like, ooh, Here there's come. a flash. Oh. There was a noise. Did you, did you hear it? The man's inebriated. I'm not drunk. Can't sleep. Can you? What's happening to you, George? Now, lately, things have been so clear to me. Just uh, understand quicker. I just can't stop feeding myself. I read two, three, three books a day. Ever since the sighting. <laughs> it was a damn light. Imagine doing what others only dream of. Portuguese language in 20 minutes? Not all of it. Experiencing what others can't understand. And I'm trying to tell you that, that I think that there, there's an earthquake coming. He's nice, isn't he? Yeah, but he thinks he saw a UFO and he thinks he can predict earthquakes. We can predict shit. Oh. And believing what you never thought possible. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that Robert Duvall, remember that. Yeah. It's a damn mistake is what it is. <laughs> 
It was supposed to happen to someone smart, but it didn't happen to me. Foul! Yeah, foul! Dramatically. Yeah. People have been doing astounding things, things we can't explain. Can't they just look in his eyes and see who he is? You tell me. It's pretty close. What do you mean by genius? He's basically off the chart. I don't think he's testable. If you think that's something, you should see him move stuff with his brain. Feed with you, Ocean. <laughs> love me the rest of my life. No. I'm gonna love you for the rest of mine. Oh, Jesus. Man, I love Forrest Whitaker. Oh yeah, of course. Like I what like going on, George? Jesus, I Forrest Whitaker is an amazing actor. I like a lot of those people now that I see him. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, let me just do one quick search to see if I can find some oh, the, yeah, the, the oh, audio sample. Yeah, I don't know how so it's weird that we didn't even really meet until say ninety eight, probably, or maybe yeah. possibly late ninety seven. And that movie came out in ninety six. So how we bonded over that un- weird reaction. Uh, so after the light hits him in the bar, like Travolta's saying, you know, anybody see that weird light? <laughs> and, so, and then he said something about how it, it knocked him over and Forrest Whitaker just goes, you fell? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and then Travolta freaks out. He's like, yeah, I fell. I will mess. <laughs> he overreacts, I guess, is the thing. Uh, or maybe not. I don't know. So Dave had to, did have to explain this the first time because I said something. I said I fell. I was telling a story and I was like, and then, and then I fell. Oh, that's right. I remember <laughs> and now. Dave was, and then he says it like Forrest Whitaker. He's like, you fell. And I was like, yeah, I fell. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happened. Oh, and then he explained it to oh, me. Oh, okay. That's Which, how it happened. <laughs> That is very much like the scene in Pulp Fiction for me where even in some of the early video pan and scan, like you don't quite see it, but it's just a funny thing that Travolta in that mid nineties period did that. Like, so in Pulp Fiction they're they're arguing Eric Stoltz and, and uh, John Travolta's characters about where to find, you know, the the Mia characters overdosing and they need to inject her with adrenaline. And Eric Stoltz is like, you know, why'd you come to my house and all this? And Travolta is like, you got the shot. Where's your, you know, find the black medical book. And, and, uh, <laughs> and at one point, and like Rosanna Arquette's chiming in and, and Stoltz is like, I don't know, stop bothering me. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and then he's like shouting off to Travolta. He's like, you, you know, <laughs> what did he ask him? I can't remember what it was. Stoltz asked to shout something and Travolta's like, you <laughs> they're shouting back and forth and it ends with Travolta being like get the shot <laughs> he says get it in this shot! funny yes. funny way to get me like he throws yeah. his hand out and his face is all contorted he's like get the shot <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that like the part two where he's like I need a big fat magic marker yeah. and they're all standing there like what he's like a felt pen anything he's like <laughs> <laughs> a fucking oh, black magic marker. That's like, great too. He gets all wound yeah. up at some point. It's like I'm gonna fucking have you don't stop talking to me. <laughs> she starts. <screaming. laughs> 
So that's the level, uh, like, that's the. Is she the one with all the shit so in funny. her face? <laughs> no. Oh. She's my wife. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> 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 that's that kind of thing where i just thought that was always such a strange and funny reaction in in phenomenon so i introduced it yeah. into our lexicon oh well i didn't yeah. think i was doing that at the time but ever since then anytime that intonation has remotely come up <laughs> like <clears throat> anytime anybody has said i felt anytime falling has come up yeah. that's what happened that's right oh i'm so glad it's part of the show <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, Phil, knock me on my ass. <laughs> uh, oh, Forrest Whitaker. I dude. can't find it. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look through a uh, movie. Let me try one more thing. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to. You know what's weird too about that preview is it takes me back to a time when I worked in a video store and used to have to play a tape that was all trailers, and so you'd see oh, them yeah. over and over again. Yep. I saw that trailer so many times. <laughs> oh, man. That was great. <laughs> so good. She's the one with all the shit in her face. And then oh. now we're matching movies because that's a totally different yeah. movie. Oh, you know what's fun is uh, I didn't know this until <clears throat> years later, of course. But you know, I love that band, The Frames, and the guy from Once, uh, it's his Irish yeah. band. Uh, yeah. That band started in 1992 was their first record. Now, that's not one I like, uh, but it existed. And, uh, the girl, and he was actually the last person that I think Chris Blackwell signed to Island records, like U2's label back in the day and Bob Marley. But so that was brand new at the time. And there's a, the, the other girl that's not Roseanne Arquette with all the shit in her face. <laughs> the other girl is wearing a frames t-shirt. Oh, nice. Pulp Fiction. So that's a nice little, that is a nice little nod there. Yeah. Um, my uh, my favorite cover that you do is a frame song. Oh, really? Which one? Finally. <gasps> oh, that's such a favorite of mine. Thank you. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, that's like you nailed that cover. Oh, my friend. Uh, that's so nice. We actually recorded that finally. Uh, finally. <laughs> finally. Then <laughs> <laughs> we're done here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Long walk show, drink Short 25. Drink. Fuck the book club. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tweet that out maybe with this episode. I remember what I remember what I lost earlier. Hmm. I was getting ready to talk because it's long walk short drink 25. 25 first off. Like that's awesome. Who yeah. knew? Right? Yeah. It was the year but, I lost in my own life. Uh it, it's the but we are coming up on I love this little tidbit. Um one of the ideas that's being tossed around amongst the long walk short drink staff. Um, is that for the 30th show, just kind of doing like a clip show. Oh yeah. Um, and I like the idea of us not hosting that show. Whoa. I like, uh, uh, I, I, I mean, we, we talk, we already stroke our egos enough, like on this show and stroke each <laughs> yeah. other's egos enough. And yeah. like, and right now the friendship theme is playing from blood sport, <laughs> like behind me and like, you know what I mean? Like that's, oh yeah. That's the fact of that's already happening and so like i i and again like to I, I i just like the idea i mean of course we could contribute uh, like this the quotes or whatever the, the clips 
but I like the idea of somebody like rolling those out, like kind of doing like a, I don't know, like maybe we can talk Double D into doing like a top twenty uh, countdown. That'd be or, you, know, you know what I mean? Or, 20, like, or thirty or twenty-five or whatever, something that yeah, makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah, like or something an odd like number, that. Like, like yeah, seven. or an odd number. Yeah, like some <laughs> of just like the best segments or best discussions, and so like. <clears throat> you know that it awesome. wouldn't take a, a a large part of that person they wouldn't have to do that live they could just like record the like little bits that would go in between um, yeah so oh, that'd be very fun that's that's something to consider uh but that would mark like the, that would bypass i i love that you brought that up that that would be more episodes than we made of palmer's picks which is the most of something that we made yeah uh, so yeah, we did that for about a year, and actually, even though the show started in uh, publishing in December, we started recording this in August, I think, of 2016. Yep. yep. So we're not so, that far from like a one-year anniversary, but all the same, that that idea of the 30 is very, especially with the whole 30, ooh. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, we're also coming up on a year... I. I'm going to bring this up and then we're going to want to do smoking stats. Fuck yeah. Oh yeah. We're coming up uh, on, but we're coming up on a year of me not smoking. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. So I could not, my smoking app won't, it like does this weird thing. So watch when I push it, it like goes to open and then it closes. Oh, like, Ow. I don't is, is it just a, like, um, a reboot thing, like if you rebooted your phone, or yeah, let me try that so that we can do smoking stats. But it's oh, like cool. 324 days of not smoking. Oh, nice. Yeah, it, so it occurred to me in the last one where we didn't do it, where we kind of bypassed some segments. I was like, oh, I wonder if he's gonna have to restart his numbers. But then I was like, no, oh, but I was like, no, that could no. happen. <laughs> it could. I mean, there's been even recent, even recently, there's been a couple times where I've uh. Man, if there was a cigarette there, it would have been really hard for me to say no to it. Mm. So I'm I'm glad it's not that it's not there. And I did have to I did have to I did have to qualify like this past weekend. Like I have to I'm very careful about saying I'm tobacco and nicotine free for a year um smoking because I still eat cake. Eh. <laughs> um so but there's no That's like not tobacco. The same or at all, really. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So, no, I just restarted my phone and it still isn't going. So, um, but if I pop this open, I might be able to get. I I can pop like. I can see, that I have saved one thousand six hundred fifty-seven dollars. I've not smoked five thousand five hundred and twenty-four cigarettes. Um, I haven't smoked for 324 days, 23 hours and 35 minutes. And I've added 22 days back onto my life. Oh, nice. So that's, I mean, that's crazy. Like I'm coming up on one year, like, uh, of not smoking July 4th will be one year. So no smoking, none of that stuff. Uh, things are going, things are good. Good. That's awesome. You know, oh, that that sound signature on my recording line looks like a penis. Wait, how- <laughs> it's horizontal or wait, what? 
yeah, you know how like, you know, just the waveform while it's oh, recording. Oh, you know, I don't you know? see that. I have a LED thing on mine. So oh, okay. I know what you mean, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was very phallic. Um, uh, my dick's nickname in college also very phallic. It was a literal name, yeah. obviously. <laughs> uh, the very implies girth, so. Oh, girth. Why? Why? Why would you talk about that? <laughs> it's from friends. Yeah. <laughs> Something I seized upon quite a bit as a kid because I think I had to look up that word when I heard that on this show. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, girth. What is that? What does and then, that have to do with anything? And then his uh, his reaction was all the more like, oh, okay. <laughs> she's like we because we talk there was like a list of things rachel said right it's like we talk about this that earth and then chandler's like why 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 would you talk about that oh <laughs> that's awesome whitest show ever other than silver spoons probably <laughs> yeah probably but it's fun like i would rip on the bride sometimes so she'd be watching them especially because of her you know, interest in making sure everybody gets sort of equal representation in the world. But she's just like, fuck you. This is a nice show. It is. <laughs> it is a nice show, literally about friends. <laughs> so White friends. Yeah. White friends who have money enough to live in New York City. Right now, I have you on three. You're in. <laughs> My fucking you're on, dream. <laughs> you're on three windows on my on Ooh. my desktop right now. I should really have better picture, lighting. <laughs> with this picture, that makes six. That's a lot, and, boy. I'm sorry. <laughs> and what's funny is is like they're all at different points of the broadcast. You know, oh. like with lag. So it's yeah. You're in three different positions in the in the photo. I just texted to you. Oh man, if only I could replicate that in other areas of my life. Yeah. So <laughs> I'd be like multiplicity. <laughs> man, I like pizza, Steve. Yeah. That, wasn't that like that was one of the inside jokes of like the band Steve? I thought was, so. <laughs> uh, was I that? That line, I like pizza, Steve, which is on YouTube. That scene is on YouTube. The the I multiplicity. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the just that scene with the piece of pizza. Um, but he calls him Steve in that. I could probably tweet that <laughs> that scene. Uh, this episode uh, on the Twitter. Yeah. I'll tweet the uh, origin of the Steve band name from the documentary. Because I wasn't there for it. Uh, there are conflicting reports. <laughs> I feel that that's part of it for me, <laughs> the multiplicity, but maybe not. Like you feel like the names of, for the band Steve comes from that scene in multiplicity? At least in part, because some of what the other guys were saying is that they were giving the name out as, and I, like as, as though someone at a party would ask their name. So, the question I first have to ask is what party are these assholes at that someone can ask their name? <laughs> I could well, they happen. look interesting enough that they get asked what their name or is. Or at least that they would be with together at a, at, a group, at, a, at someone's house who didn't know their name. You know what I mean? Like, I, And I they know. all gave the name Steve? That's, That's what the they story. say, yeah. Oh. And who's they, I'm not super sure. 
Um, I know that story too. That sounds vaguely familiar too, but so does the like the multiplicity as the origin. Yeah. So my guess is that that is some of the joke of why that's that particular <laughs> name. Um, what's funny though too is uh, the way that I met Jacko, who was one of the members of Steve. <laughs> The founding member of Steve, perhaps, but in, in a very dubious way. <laughs> he, uh, I met him through my only friend in kindergarten was Steve Thompson, uh, yeah. someone else from Ritman whose parents were in the school system in various capacities. So much where I have a, such a distinct memory in life of being a middle school student, sixth grade. Now, Steve Thompson's mom is my gym teacher. I, for some reason, had always called her Debbie. <laughs> yeah. So I remember this moment of like looking at her in gym class and saying like, Debbie? <laughs> and she goes, Mrs. Thompson. It was so embarrassing. Yeah. Um, also, Steve Thompson is the reason I found out what sex was. Another story. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> um, <laughs> well, story. I remember that whole period, too, like... Steve just kind of kept coming up because uh, it was around that same time the movie The Tao of Steve. Do you remember? Oh, that? The Tao like, of Steve. Yeah. Yes, yes. Like oh, that. shit. That's literally the time, like 2000 with uh, yeah. Don Donald. <clears throat> fuck. What's that guy's name? Uh, Logue. Donald Logue. Yeah. Is his name. Yeah. That's um, right. That's a great insight that I think is a. <laughs> to me that has been in the lost for for years that's 100% right cuz i saw that at the cedarly theater that's back when i used to drive from yeah. Whitman to the cedarly theater with i remember jackson from... making the case to s that all of us needed to go see this movie cuz it was about a guy who lived uh, the life of steve <laughs> and like right. how fitting it was and like <laughs> right <clears throat> and he was like this slacker guy but he still got girls and stuff yeah, yeah, and, and how I remember, like, it, you guys all kind of, like, for a very brief period when all this movie was discussed, like, that's exactly what Steve is, and, like, you know, like, uh, so. That is so true, because initially, uh, the Steve thing, the band, we had, um, you know, as previously discussed on the show, we would gather at quote unquote the cabin, and there would be people playing songs around the campfire, usually cover songs, and people would have their specialties. Like I played Pearl Jam songs and sang like Eddie Vedder, and, and Crams would play REM songs. Yeah, m singing more like Crams. That was kind of a thing of mine, where I <laughs> I had an imitative voice, where other people's was less, so a little more their own, which I was always a little envious of. Jackson would play Dylan songs. Um, I always thought of the row as as uh, Paul McCartney. <laughs> so not that he would necessarily only play Paul McCartney songs, but that's always how I saw him. Because yeah. in part because I remembered him as a romantic. Like I remember playing soccer with him in middle school or earlier, and we'd be going to get on the bus or something, and he ran back to talk to a girl, which none of us did. So, right. so that started this whole thing of my him in my mind as this uh, romantic. So when whenever we were given the chance on karaoke or something, the row and I would always 
sing the duet "The Girl Is Mine" with uh, Paul McCartney, and Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, so uh, awesome! But so yeah, so these guys and I were all friends. Um, but then and then uh, and then Logan, thank God, even though he learned to play guitar and wrote songs, also could play the the drums. And so he bring the co- the the uh, bongos out to the cabin. So one night, when people people were home from college, their first or second year, maybe their first year of college, that we just hung out and they came over to my house and we decided to play music. But I had everything set up in my room, and so just as this or anything else seems to happen in, <laughs> surrounding this group of people with me, there's an understanding that yeah, it might be recorded. <laughs> like i don't think listeners understand there was like a decade of my life that i carried a camera with me just everywhere i went and i yeah like and you did and jacko did and prams did and there was always things documenting what we were doing like whether it was photography or audio or um and we were there's there's an interesting thing i was thinking about because i did just finish uh creating a digital version of that photo book that we made on on paper and like copy machines and stuff back in 1998 and uh there was a uh there's a scene in the documentary that of course exists about the making of said book. (laughs) 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 Of, um, Oh, someone we don't have a nickname for, uh, who even listens sometimes. Uh, I don't know if he's hearing this now, but, uh, he's writing something in the, in the video, but, and and I remember seeing him writing in the corner of the hotel room that we'd, or like hotel conference room that we'd, uh, I don't know what do you call it rented like we didn't get a hotel room to sleep in we got a space that yeah. we could be an overnight <laughs> that we could do yeah. this work quote unquote that in. they were not willing to let us do twice <laughs> no like <laughs> they're like what did is... we do that was so terrible that's what I don't understand is like uh, I don't think we necessarily did anything so bad I think it was just so unorthodox for someone to rent yeah. out like I think that's like where people had their continental breakfast or something like, <laughs> like I think it was Maybe, not yeah. a hotel room that they would have, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, but anyway, we were there overnight, pr- like going through all these photos and trying to make this book. And, and our one friend was sitting in the corner writing about what ultimately turned out to be him saying like, this is such like horseshit. Like you guys are just egomaniacs. What? Like, why is this important? And uh, so I, I remember I just saw him writing in the corner. And it was such a, it was a period in my life where I had always been a creative person and I was suddenly encountering all these other creative people. And it was so exciting to me that I just always encouraged that. So I saw him writing in the corner. I'm like, oh, I, you know, can we include that in, in the book? He's like, well, sure, but I'm not so sure you'll want to. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> because ultimately he was writing about like how he felt, which was like, this is these people are what? <laughs> and I can totally see that point of view. But at least speaking from one of the people so excited to make that book, it was not 
I don't, it's not that we think it should be important to other people. It's, it's important to us to have this right. exist. <laughs> and, and so we, we can personally mm. remember. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, I got to this day, like from 1995 onward, my life and my creative endeavors are ridiculously chronicled and will continue to be so just because I don't know how else to, uh, process I, I think my own you, life. Well, and it's a craft that you just like hone and you, you just do it becomes just, I mean, at this point, it's just something that you're used to doing. It's, I found it you to know? be an interesting and very unique way of self, uh, of, of sort of self of acquiring self knowledge, so yeah. uh, I know myself in a different way than other people would because of my experience doing these things. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is like I, I value the experiences I've had and the people that have been involved, and uh, I don't necessarily think that they should be important to others. But I've recently like really just embraced like I don't that doesn't bother me that whole point of view from this this friend of ours in the corner is 100 percent valid like who cares the answer to that is right. like literally i care <laughs> and i'm just making this for myself <clears throat> um, right so i've come to embrace that in a way that uh i acknowledge that it's odd <laughs> for sure <laughs> but um uh, um, I'm pretty happy about it. Anyway, I'm glad all this stuff exists and I'm able to look back. And, and when we say like, where did Steve come from? It's like, not only can I posit my own opinion, but I can put forth at least three others because of this documentary that I made in 2004 that was filmed in 2000. You know, it's like, it's ridiculous, but pretty <laughs> awesome to me. Ooh. Absolutely. Oh my heavens. Well... Let's uh, <laughs> let's listen. Let's get rolling on this book club. All right, I we've think it's high time. The, we've, we've teased the listeners enough. Yeah, and this is a so epic week. <clears throat> oh my god, man, epic week. This was a huge. I mean, I texted you earlier today. Like, oh this, yeah, this was a huge section of the book. But before we start, one more tease. Let's talk about how this book club is possible hey palmer here dave and i are so excited to be doing this long walk short drink book club reading of the dead zone by stephen king materials for this project were provided by the site bookrags.com with over 6,000 study guides available on their website bookrags.com has everything you need to study and ace your lit classes enter the promo code podcast to get 15 percent off your subscription Thanks so much to the great people over at bookrags.com for helping to make this book club possible. And then when the and when the first one's done, it'll go and then into the other one. And then that'll be for audibles. And then and we are back. Thank you so much to Bookrags and Audibles for making the Dead Zone Book Club possible. Okay. Uh I we Wait, greatly let's appreciate do, let's it. Let's do it. Let's do a, a kind of live read for Audible. I don't know where I'm getting this, but every example I found, nobody does a pre-roll that's canned with music. That's why I've always made a point of doing that. So let me send yeah. you this, and we'll just tag team it. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, but I will say on the on the shows that I listen to that do this, it's it is fun because they say that thing. It's like, well, nobody knows your audience as well as you. And I feel like our audience is used to hearing me fuck it up. 
and that's part of it. So that kind of that's the idea as a live read of it all. We're, wait, should we do it right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, we could. <laughs> Book rags. Also, though, for you, the listeners, a long walk, short drink podcast. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I personally recommend the audiobook Long Walk or no wait, yes. not that's our podcast. Oh, there will be an, a Long uh, Walk Short Drake audiobook. I, no, that's uh <laughs> yeah, King. and I would recommend Smart. that. Um however, in the meantime, until that audiobook is available on audible.com I would recommend downloading The Dead Zone by Stephen King, where you can follow along with us with our previous episodes and this one that we're about to start, our discussion of The Dead Zone by Stephen King, read none other by, uh, read by none other than James fucking Franco. I think that is Um, his legal middle name. Yeah. 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 Um, you can download yeah. uh, that book or the free audiobook of your choice at audibletrial.com slash LWSD. Uh, again, that's audibletrial.com slash LWSD for your free audiobook and free 30-day free. <laughs> Fuck, see? God damn it. Free trial. Trial. Yes, trial. Uh, really? That's where you bit it was on trial? No, it's like I said free several times. I was pretty excited oh, free. about that. Oh. <laughs> well, it's a free book, a free 30 days. That's a good deal. Uh audibletrial.com slash LWSD. Easy for you to say. All yeah. right. <laughs> LWSD. LWSD. Double D. At LWSD Pod on Twitter. <laughs> and LWSD Pod at gmail.com for those of you not on social media. God bless yourselves. Let's oh, talk yeah. about you the fucking dead beast. Zone. That's awesome. Ow! Ow! Yes! Ow! He's on fire! Dead zone. It's in the dead zone. That was my favorite thing about editing 24. I lost my mind when you did that. Like I did laugh out loud. Like it was, it was late at night. I'm watching like, I don't know some, I I think I was watching Pearl Jam 20 on mute with the subtitles on. And I heard you suddenly go, yes. (laughs) Oh, made my night. Oh man. (laughs) The bride is telling me to keep it down. Wow. She's always telling me that. But I can't yeah. help it sometimes. That's what she said. You know what I'm saying. Um. So, uh, do you want to give us a little recap on where we left Johnny I thought Smith? About that, but I don't know if I successfully can because I was trying to figure uh, well, out where that well, was. Here, let, so we ended actually. Chapter 14 ended at a really critical juncture. Uh, chapter 14 ended with the interaction between Greg Stilson and that banker. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Where he needed to prime the pump with 50 mm. grand, and he was blackmailing that guy into raising that money so that he could start his campaign, basically. Um, that's where we left it. <clears throat> so then we come into chapter... Now we're uh, on the third assignment was chapters 15 through 20. Um, and the three guiding questions that we had for that section were... 
um, discuss the Castle Rock Strangler. How does this, if at all, prove a purpose to Johnny's gifts um, or abilities, I said. Uh, let's see here. Johnny continues to suffer shortcomings, loss, uh, suffer loss and shortcomings. Uh, do you think it's because of his opposition to an external force? So, um, if his mother were to be believed, there is a purpose for all of this and which Johnny does not buy into. So is his continued loss and troubles because he opposes that. <clears throat> and then the last guiding question for this, the third reading assignment was um, at the end of chapter 20, Johnny has a vision relate this uh, to other parallels uh, between. Um, between the events in the books and current events. Uh, so which now we're really getting we're really getting into the nitty gritty where we get to talk yes. about those things. Uh, so I need to borrow some sweats. <laughs> Chancho. These, these are my not the Lord's nacho. I honestly love that movie. <laughs> and I made my nephews love it too, because they're required. I'm so surprised at what they remember. And they remember like in 2008, <laughs> me making them watch Nacho Libre when they stayed over. And they liked it though, right? Of course. I mean, it's it's better built for kids probably than than grown people, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's a, it's a great, I'd love, like there was, the, that came out around an era of film where there was just a lot of mainstream fairy tales, like where, where the movies were just, they were just too pretty to be reality. You know what I mean? Oh uh, yeah. I never thought of it like that. I don't that. know. Like the color palette and the like the sugariness of the stories and just they were just a little bit too much. Like they but uh not I, I feel like that's in the cusp of that. Um or like big fish. Oh you know, yeah. yeah. Like that is a literal fairy tale, uh, but it, the, all of those like came out around that same time. You're so. right, though. That that was a there. You don't see as much <clears throat> of that right now. As much as I love these superhero yeah. movies, there's that's kind of it. <laughs> right yeah, now. I mean and, that and, and things that that are I the mean, equivalent and thereof. Things that should not be superhero movies are being turned into superhero movies. You know, like um, like the fucking Baywatch movie. Which yeah. looks it it looks hilarious, but it's just like it. I it I mean, there that's exactly it right there. That's <laughs> there it. it is. That's Palmer's review of Baywatch yeah. the movie. <laughs> um, so let's get to the book club then. Yes, sir. Uh, so where do so, I start? I, the, all of this is ri really rich and ripe for discussion. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the the chapter fifteen starts right out with. I'm really leery of the uh you have to stop me if i start sounding too misogynistic i do not have a problem with sarah because she is a woman or because she does quote unquote womanly things she's just greatly irresponsible at the beginning of like this book emotionally irresponsible uh, i think is yeah the thing. um and um 
I, I kind of even, I, I came up with this thought of like the person who has the most to lose in a decision between two people, like that happens at the beginning of this assignment, chapter 15. Whoever has the most to lose, it's their responsibility to make the right decision because the person who has less to lose is going like, they're more likely to make the poor decision, right? So yeah. Sarah, it's Sarah's responsibility to keep what happens from happening because it like, it's just unfair. I, I, I understand that King is trying to write it as this romantic subplot that it is tragic, like romantic, like tragic romance subplot, I should say. Um, but it's kind of like this payoff, like they're, it's, it's, um, the book rag summary even says like the way they have it written is really funny. Um, where it's like, they agree to, they agree to have the night that they never got to have or, uh, they both feel that it is right to take back the night that they had planned to spend together. And yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot I, that they agreed to that on the night. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's just, it's just grossly irresponsible and just so unfair to Johnny who I, I mean, I guess tries to like acknowledges that the, like they, you know, they both agree that they can't see it. I, and I think it's even worse when he starts talking about how, when Herb comes in and it's almost like Herb is like enjoying her Sarah's son as like the grandson that they would have had if they would have ended up together, you know, like, yeah, that was bizarre. And that it, it just, it got really weird. Like, and I'm just like this, it was just so irresponsible. And just, I, I thought like, I mean, again, way to go Stephen King like that's you're, you you write so well that you get this emotional response where I'm just like this is sickening that this poor man <laughs> yeah. is putting himself through this like why would he do that yeah. so I remember thinking like when they were talking when Sarah would come <clears throat> up and stuff in, in the hot and Johnny's still in the hospital and he's trying to th th you know he for him, he just woke up. And so like a minute ago, she was his, his girlfriend about to, you know, they were going to yep. go home and, um, you know, get intimate for the first time that night of the carnival. Get sex crotch. They were going to like, right. they were going to go home and get sex crotch. Yeah. They kind of like happen. had a hand, not a handshake on it, but they're like, all right, <laughs> like this is what we're yeah. doing tonight. And yeah. Uh, and then in between that, both the, so the wheel of fortune thing came up where Johnny had the, he had this incredible string of luck, quote unquote, because he could see the future essentially at the wheel of fortune. And while that's happening, Sarah's kind of getting sick, ostensibly on a bad hot dog, but maybe from like the mystical, whatever that's going on with Johnny. And, right. um, and she gets sick. And so they go home and then she's, she's sick. So they don't, you know, do the business. Uh, and he, he calls a cab and then that cab wrecks and he's in a coma for four or four and a half years. Yep. Yep. But, um, which in that time she ends up meeting another man, getting married, having a child. Yep. 
Yeah. And in that time for Johnny, like he blinks, you know, and has surgeries. And and to him, that's still his girl, but he has to come to terms with the fact that she has moved on. And so that's, I think, what you're getting at, where it's like it's sh- it, the kind of burden is on her to be more. Right. To be the bigger person in some ways like but but right. you hear a lot of it because from what does he have to lose like he's just yeah he's got nothing he's got her and then his mom dies shortly right. after his, right. his dad and his mom and i mean so he has nothing to lose in this situation in fact he there's a, in a way he thinks it's something that he should he deserves even though i'm sure he knows it's just going to torment him and in a way it does you know um I don't know. It just, man, it's like, it was just like a punch in the nuts. It was, oh it yeah. Was bad. No, like, I, I did not see it coming. Like I, I understood the idea that they, from the foreshadowing of it all, that they would be somehow in each other's lives going forward in the story. But I, I just foresaw it as some kind of unfortunate missed connection, uh, but, but that they would somehow be connected. So like, I have this thing written down where, she says, actually, just to back up a little bit, I have this note about, because it from the point where Sarah's husband, Walt Hazlitt, is that the name? Like, Yep. Uh, yep. He, he's this kind of guy that's up and coming in the Repu- Republican Party and kind of kissing ass and trying to make headway for himself. He's talking about um, when Johnny first makes a splash in the news at the the hospital press conference where he inadvertently kind of gets exposed as this psychic uh, phenomena um phenomenon <laughs> you fell but um <laughs> phenomenon yeah. phenomenon ah! yes no. that's a multi-layered but yeah um yeah Phil! not right. me on my ass exactly yeah. this one thing this one appearance in front of you know reporters exposes his power causes his mother to have what like a stroke like it causes great ripple effect but uh Sarah's husband Walt is saying like you know I think it's he's probably he's he's wise to capitalize on this and try to make a buck while he can and uh and Sarah immediately like there's this like huge divide between her and Walt in that moment there's like a line yep. drawn in the sand she's like whoa Johnny Smith is not a liar. Yeah. And and you sense this 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 yeah, it, it's a monumental moment in her character where like I had this visual of her being especially physically expressive. Like I'm sure she wasn't necessarily expressed in the, in the book, but like like she had her hands on the edge of the table like and was kind of yeah. possessed by this I don't know, the uh you know like Vera Johnny's mom, the religious zealot, would be so steadfast in certain things. I pictured it as that kind of dividing moment in his, where Walt couldn't say anything bad about Johnny. So I have this other note that moves into our current assignment where or, or discussion where it says, Denny had his father's Republican sensibilities, his standoffishness which Sarah said in a letter to Johnny, which kind of distances herself from her husband well, and her child a little bit. I almost feel like from the beginning that Walt is introduced, which, I mean, that scene is, um, there, 
there's only a couple instances that he's even you even hear him talking in the in the book and that scene is the, the major one which is really uncomfortable that scene is super 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 uncomfortable um yeah. both both narrators nail that scene actually uh that is one that I will give to the female narrator oh, in the check other that out version sometime. of the audiobook. Yeah. Uh, I can see uh sir I think that's an interesting <clears throat> choice to have a female narrate the the book. Um yeah. I, I don't know how much Sarah comes into play later, but in those scenes especially I can imagine it was uh, but str- helpful. I feel like they are he is he's what she's supposed to do. I feel like that's like she feels She's grateful to Johnny because he bridged this gap where she thought she would never feel right about men after that oppressive boyfriend. Yeah. And Johnny was able to show her like not all men are slime. Right. And then, but like, even in those, even in the years that like Johnny's in a coma and they're doing that great time progression. And I mean, she reluctantly goes on a date with him because it just kind of feels like she should move on from Johnny. Yeah. Right. Like the same way she felt that way about the bad guy before. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just very for Her thinking is very formulaic. It's very like, well, I should do this. And then she just does that. Right. Um, you know, it's interesting. uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, you were saying before about like this certain don't let you fall into misogyny because of this certain female trope. Um, but I think that this isn't, I've never, this has never occurred to me before. So I hope it doesn't derail you too much, but I, I didn't want to forget it. Um, there's the trope of like the nice guy finishes last in terms of romantic relationships. <laughs> yeah. Um, and maybe Johnny's falling into that category here. Uh, but there's also that, trope and this is, doesn't really play into this book but i think it's something that that is the flip side of that coin which is the the girl in uh chasing amy or all the real girls it's like this this woman in your life that helps you so for men uh what is it so so like for for girls it's this like the the trope is that it you know in heterosexual heterosexual relationships it's that like bad guys, the bad boys are not where it's at. It's like real other, other guys, quote unquote, nice guys. Right. But for, for the flip side of that heterosexually for men is uh, that there are these women that come along to show you what like quote unquote real women could be or not a certain stereotype. Uh, you know, like there's like, oh, you're the woman who taught me how to love. You know what I mean? Like, but that's not yeah. the woman you end up with. It's it's this yeah. weird like this this weird flip of the the bad boy thing. Like, so it's literally the opposite <laughs> because because right. a lot of times it's like the the bad boy. You have a nice guy to realize the bad boy is not where it's at, and then with on the other hand you have this kind of quote unquote bad girl maybe or or someone outside of the norm that gives you the sense of of what a real meaningful relationship can be but you don't have that real lasting meaningful relationship with that woman you know what i mean uh right it just occurred to me for the first time like in my life that this is the flip side of that coin 
in, in this equation that I could never quite put my finger on. That's so what he said. We're not seeing that in Sarah. Sarah is the nice girl. Johnny is the nice guy. And yeah, their, their time I, I, didn't quite line when up. I, well, I, I didn't want to come off as the, like, for the misogyny thing, I didn't want to come off as like, oh, what a manipulative bitch just because she's a woman. But I think there is a certain level of her, like, like it is kind of shitty that she's just like, I feel like it's like getting her cake and eating it too. You mm-hmm. know, like she, she shouldn't get that. She shouldn't get to have that moment with him because she got those four and a half years of her life. Like she got to live that. Yeah. And make the choices to, to marry Walt and have this kid. It, right. And like the, all of that got taken from Johnny and that's where I mean, like it's her responsibility to say, no, we should not do that. And I feel like Johnny was trying to, to maintain the appropriate distance too. Right. Like it seemed he as was though- until, because this picks up like the, the it picks up right after that man from inside view Lee. Oh yes, And he's yes. like pushed like, so he's pushed over the edge. Like the bug was already in his ear. Um, and, and that's the other thing too, is like, I do feel like she kind of manipulated all of this and also where I could make the argument that I don't think that I, I think w- that her marriage to Walt is a marriage of convenience and that's mm-hmm. it is like, they're not intimate ever. And she does a lot of this time away from him. I feel like, but like she writes to Johnny and says, Hey, I'm going to be visiting a girlfriend. That's only like, that's pretty close to you. But I think like her, her intention is like dripping with, because I want to fuck you. That's like, (laughs) that's probably way, 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 way too harsh. Like, well, no, no, I, I do think that that is the root of it. Like ultimately that's what it comes down to. What I wrote down here, she says, (laughs) it, she said what she's talking about what happened to them is a bad hot dog an act of god all i want is what was taken from us i want everything tonight it's yeah. wrong but it dot 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 and i have like notes like look it up look up everything and then i have this note of like what the fuck does tabby think of this like what does stephen king's wife think of, of yeah. this appraisal of this of this woman and her intentions that's all i could think of at the time i i i I don't know that. So that's where I start to be like, that's kind she's kind of shit. I mean, because of course he doesn't have anything to lose. So he's just going to fall. Like if she literally gives herself to him and he, without question is just like, yep, I'm doing this. Yeah. That makes all the sense of the world for him. Like it was yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's where the, it's her responsibility like that. And, she totally biffs it and loses all of my respect. She's like, and she's super clear about that stuff. Like yeah. by the time she comes to visit him, the same as the 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 tabloid guy does. Like her intentions, yep, are to get that night back. It's it, and it's yep. a little surprising as a reader. Where for to me it was at least that you see that there is this allegiance to Johnny. She doesn't like when her husband talks bad about him. And 
Oh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was really caught off guard by that, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I yep. was like, I, I, I hear you. And, and and I talked to you about it right before listening, and you were just like, fuck, Sarah. She, like, yep. indicating that she was going to do something wrong. And I was like, oh, okay. This is, yeah. this is that. And then it is, it, yeah, it's really fucked up. Like, it's really fucked up because, like, Johnny does exactly what I what any person in his, I'm not even going to say any man any person oh, yeah. in that situation would do and she I really feel like she took advantage of that of that position that he was in to get yeah. her cake and eat it too and that I lost all respect for her uh, like that that's how great of a character though that she's like that's how well she's written that I, it was able That's to affect true. me that much. And I was like able to lose that much respect for her. Um, yeah. It's so, like I, that. I, I, it's kind of, I don't quite know how to move on from it without doing so bluntly because it's like, yeah. what is the, you know, you, you mentioned in some of the great questions, like these leading questions about how is this significant? So I, I have to wonder as someone who, I mean, there's a lot of amazing shit that we're going to talk about that happens in this section of the book, but I yeah. have to wonder like, why does King put this whole thing in there to the, to the greater end of like the ultimate end of this story? You know, the final episode of Alias that <laughs> I um. so I want to put a pin in that. That's a great. So can you make a note of that hmm. Um. of that question? Like, why would King put this in here? Because you've asked that about mm -hmm. other things, about the brutality earlier on. And that stuff yeah. has become apparent. Uh, yeah. And um. I have a theory about that. I, well, I I mean, we don't have to put a pin in it because this Ooh, isn't going to be that big of a spoiler. Okay. Um, I I think he wrote it in as like like this is this is like a pittance of a payoff for this poor man. Like he's had t he's had everything taken from him, and he's going to have even more taken before the end of this book is over. And I think this is the one opportunity to kind of give him something back that he lost you know what i mean like i i i just as like a token like you know it can't all be terrible like there has to be has something that like uh, some good for him to hold on to and i think there's other there's other nuggets of good in his life i like his father herb oh jesus yeah. i love like that, that he's a man's man but he's like a he's like a dad's dad though too like he's just like just a great father and um i this is in this section too like we get introduced he's like starts working contracted for a widow um, oh yeah yeah uh so he's like intent. the kind of dad who like get invested in the kind of books your sons like or maybe put your yeah. other son in an arm bar like <laughs> yes <laughs> yes absolutely he's just like a like just a dad's dad you know and uh so, um, but there, there's those nuggets of good. And I think that's what this was, was this, uh, I, because, and this is something that I'll task just you with, uh, it, because it guaranteed we'll be able to come back to it in the conversation the next time. But I really feel like after this scene, Sarah does pop up a couple times, but it's that whole arc is, th this is like the end of that arc. Oh, in, in, oh, in, 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 in my, so in my opinion, so huh. 
she's still a presence in the story, but it's not anywhere near as as heavy as it was leading up to this scene. Yeah, it's interesting as I think about it. Like when this happened, when that scene happened, I was shocked, and I was I was thinking about it in terms of what you had set up in terms of her, you know, fuck that person and all this, and she's doing wrong by him. But when I did think about it, or as I have thought about it kind of later, and as nothing else, no further interactions has come up, it was, I kind of thought about it like, uh, not so much in terms of how does Johnny, Johnny have to deal with this moving forward and not having her in his life. But kind of, if you think about it, like, well, if he, if that's the case and he woke up from a coma and that this doesn't get to be his life, that's a pretty, he also gets to have his cake and eat it too, in a way. Like, you know, like that's a little win-win situation, but a very strange one. Like, so part of me is really bothered by it in terms of she's married. And so I'm, I'm married. I wouldn't want my wife to do that. Um, And so that part is very troublesome on that level. Uh, If you think about it from Johnny's point of view, like he knows that she's married, he knows that it's wrong, but she is so incredibly specific and clear with him that I don't think he would necessarily have guilt about it because of how specific. And again, like he's only like what a year out of waking up at this point. Yeah. So like his, he's still like, close to her like you know like he's still like in his mind she is still that girl like that is something that i don't think ever changes in his mind like he's still his girl because that's what she was when he before he went in the coma yeah so it's um, interesting in, in in a way like for, to us at an overview it seems awfully wrong <laughs> but individually if you take apart the side of her being married and cheating on her husband, who we don't really like as readers. <laughs> um, and it's, I, I don't think like it. I don't think like can even factor into it. it. We are literally given just enough to know that he exists. There's no character to, like for all the other characters in this book, even Dr. Wyzak, like we get character development for him, but we get, just enough exposition to know that Walt exists. Everything. I, I, I feel though it, it is there, there is like King puts his perspective on it and that, uh, you know, that the kid has his father's Republican sensibilities. He's standoffish. Like, I think there's a judgment call there. That oh, sure. They imparts to the, to his readers, which, which you and I may be in sympathy with that. Whereas other readers might not be, but so there's like just enough that he exists, but also that like he's a kiss ass and a two face. <laughs> and uh, he does. You're right. He does like he does choose to only kind of highlight the more scrupulous portions of his personality, right? Yeah, or the so less like, the less scrupulous, right? Yeah. Less scrupulous. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, geez. But no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. So that that definitely seems. Yeah, that's like all, right. all we get of, the, of of that. So I hadn't thought about so, it, but now I guess you have the insight to say that that's kind of the end of that chapter of yeah. Walt's life, and or rather uh, Johnny and Walt's life. Yeah. So all right, so let's move on from that because we got a ton to talk about. Like the next chapter, we basically get. Uh, this is just essentially to let us know that the man from Inside View, 
who sparked all of the this him hooking up with Sarah basically uh uses inside view to essentially defraud um Johnny yeah uh, and, and um it really libel him because it's not is libel the right way to because that's print libel is print right and slander is speech that that sounds right yeah. to me uh so because it's all false like we know he has these powers but they go out of their way to like really just be shits about it and, and to the point that the him getting all that mail and all of those those artifacts to touch you know, like that quick, we, that quick scene scene uh, we talked oh, about. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, he gagged a little. Oh yeah. man. That's what happens uh, if you're in quicksand, you're going to yeah. ingest the uh, So, but it's like a mere image of that. Cause then it flips to like hate mail and, and borderline threats of yeah. from people like, you, you know, uh, which Johnny is totally okay with that. Like he's out of, like, he feels like this is the best thing that could happen because he didn't like any of the attention he was getting. Didn't right. Like yeah. It. Oh man. That's so interesting too. Like you, you talked about how things would be different or the same in previous assignments or, or discussions about this. With social media and stuff, I think it all would be exacerbated, but pretty much the same, you know? Yep. Like with, yep. The, with, with the media part of it, it's just that it would be more. Like, Accessible. I think that's what yeah. I like. Like you talked about making world smaller. I think it would just be he, instead of him getting it from the like, you know, 3 million people that read inside view, getting mail from those people, he could be getting it from around the world, you know, if oh, it were sure. to happen yeah. to today, you know? Yeah. Um. So that's something to, uh, uh, that's, that's exactly it. So. Yeah, uh, I so think that's, be, that's human nature is the same. It's like that all would happen in the pretty much the same way. Exactly. And which uh, that just gets into uh, it, it's just great that it's why books like this can still be relevant today um, in more ways than one. So. I sort of feel like, too, like, do you think that this, you know, this book was out of audio circulation for quite a while? Do you think that yeah. it was republished? Because I was looking at the timeline and our current political landscape. I, and- I am telling you right now, like it, wait until you get to the end of the book. Like we're going to talk about some of the correlations <laughs> to now, but just wait until you get to the end. It get the last assignment. It gets so much thicker. Oh my it's God. So, it's I can't so even imagine it's so thick already. And, and what we're about to dive into. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's just, I, I totally believe that it is the uh, results of the 2016 election are relevant enough to have caused this to have been re-released. And I think James Franco read it because he stars in the 112263 on oh. Hulu. So they adapted that novel on Hulu, and he's the main character in that. That uh, makes so, sense. Uh, in this section is where, yeah, it's uh, we finally get to see Stilson and Johnny interact, or at least... Holy shit! Yeah, their their <laughs> paths finally cross. Yeah, that's the end yeah, of and, the, and, the run. And, but that's where we're going. 
Well, even sooner than that, but I'm just like, the, like that's the stuff that uh, where we, if we want to make correlations to today, that's where we really want to try to get to. So, oh, sure, yeah. Um, yeah. That, I mean, that's the end of the assignment, like the end of the uh, right, the end of the, right. the period we're talking about. He literally that happens, and Johnny passes out. So, all right, so moving to to, to to get there, so we have more time to talk about that fun stuff. Uh, we we're so he gets defrauded. But right after that, he finally, another story arc, it gets resolved in this section. This is like the, I mean, it's the literally the third act of the book. It's like the oh. climax, right? It's, it's so It feels like it. it. it yeah, that's, I'm yeah, like, what's happening like, now? <laughs> it's like everything gets resolved. And so, um, so the Castle Rock Strangler um, story arc finally crossed paths with Johnny. So... Uh, this is where we get, he gets a call from the sheriff of Castle Rock um, and who was given his number by Dr. Wyzak, which pisses yeah. Johnny oh, the man. fuck off. Right, like, like he has the betrayal, not really a betrayal, like a sort of positive betrayal of Sarah yeah. <laughs> wanting to fuck him. But uh, right. uh, but then this thing of, of, of Dr. Wyzak who's been his like friend and, and doctor giving yep. him, he's furious about that. Furious. And, and the doc and uh, cause my note I have here is like Dr. Wyzak versus uh, Vera. Like versus his mother, it's like oh. Doctor Vizak almost in the in, like takes up this mantle of like you have a gift that you should use, and Johnny even oh, like yeah, you know what I mean? Like you have a gift that. that you should use, and uh, because so the sheriff calls and and says we're at our wits' end. Like we're I'm tired of like following leads that don't go anywhere. Um, I was contacted by Dr. Vizak and I, and I would love if you could offer any services to this case. Johnny freaks out, then calls Dr. Vizak and Dr. Vizak like says and explains like, you know, I just thought you might be able to help. It's a little and, girl, Johnny. <laughs> like, I, love, yeah. I love the Vizak that, uh, Franco does. Accent. But, but yeah. that, yeah, that thing where. It is this like it's a little girl now who has been strangled to death, str raped and strangled to death, like a yeah. child, and and it was literally we find out the like the sheriff's daughter was walking with this girl or previously like it could have easily yeah, had, been the it could have easily been the sheriff's daughter and which when you finally when it gets resolved on who the murderer is makes that part even more chilling yeah that which and also possibly why that girl might have been passed up and not. Oh, I didn't think of that. Strangled. Oh, right. For sure. That's why. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, because she passed through there before the other girl got strangled and murdered. Yeah. And so I don't want to actually get into it only to call, call it to, to the attention of readers who might have also noticed it or people listening who might go back, but there's a Christmas tree scene. Uh, I don't, like again, I don't want to get too deep into it, but that Christmas tree scene where like it's right after Johnny gets the call from the sheriff, he's furious, and oh yeah, he starts to think about the Christmas tree and the ornaments and like how his mom used to be alive. He has this kind of dialogue with his mom in conjunction with just looking at the Christmas tree and processing the idea that Wyzak had betrayed him. There, there's so much like impacted. An internal dialogue into that scene that it that it's like I wanted to read the whole thing, but we gotta move on. But 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 that was uh 
I just remember thinking like, whoa, Go ahead, shit, read it. Let's, a- let's hear it. Oh, no, there's tons. Like, it goes on and on. But let me let me find a bit of it, I guess. Like, Yeah. Um. Well, it's like he's looking at that thing and he's he's looking at the Christmas tree and the, the ornaments were still there hanging around to decorate another tree taken from the small back wood lot and they didn't say more people can wait what the fuck <laughs> i don't know he's looking at the christmas tree and he's hearing like this like voice in his head of his mom it's like what a power god has given you johnny sure that's right god's a real prince he knocked me through the windshield of a cab and i broke my legs and spent five years or so in a coma and three people died the girl i love got married she had a son who should have been mine and a lawyer who's breaking his ass to get to Washington so he can help run the big electric train set. If I'm on my feet more for more than a couple of hours at a time, it feels like somebody took a long splinter and rammed it straight up my leg to my balls. God's a real sport. <laughs> so it goes on like this. I can like tell it. you this <laughs> level of self-reflection though is exactly how a teacher thinks like that. Oh. That is very, very, that's, that's a teacher level of self-reflection. Yeah, or or but, a guy who spent his life making documentaries about himself. Like there's a certain yeah, There you go. Yeah, <laughs> like that, we're a pair. That, that's probably applicable too. Yeah, yeah you're exactly a right. We're a pair, raggedy man. Ah. <laughs> so, um, so uh, he meets, he decides after that scene, that's what pushes him over. He decides that to go call the sheriff, right? Yeah, so, I, th- I think it's that idea. Like, just like you said, I actually had to put that together. I knew that Christmas tree scene was important, but I think it's for what you just said, where it's like, why Zach was, as his mom was inferring that this power could be used to the greater good. Right. And Johnny right. was trying to come to terms with that. Right. And, and, and I think that is, that led me to this question that I had of, he is still fighting. Like he, he's fighting that this calling. Yeah. Uh, if you want to call it that or this power or this gift, he fights it. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want it to happen. He just wants to, like you said, he just wants to go back to teaching, right? Like that's just what he wants to do and like get back to a normal life. It's the last temptation of Christ section where like the God or the Holy spirit is like descending upon this person. And he's like, I just want to be normal. Yep. And that's all he wants to do. And so, um, I, wonder if the if there is a higher power that has this quote-unquote plan for johnny are these shortcomings and losses that he continues to suffer are they punishments for him not accepting his fate like not accepting what he's supposed to do um i had this uh it's funny you say that because so much of what i write down is just things uh, that resonate with me in terms of quotes very rarely is it a original thought yeah, uh, but I I wrote down light bulb. It's no wonder there's so much foreshadowing. It's a story about fate. Like there's right. so much in this book, and I don't know how much it'll come up in further Stephen King. You, you mentioned maybe a lot, but where he's like, well, that's the f- like he won't see Sarah for another four years or the, until they make yep. love or like he'll like no, that's how he f- foreshadows. He he, oh, he punches you in the face with his foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, there's no sugarcoating. It's just like. Like there are times in the Dark Tower series where you're, it's just like, and this was the last time that all of them were alive. Yeah. And that's how he ends a chapter. And you're just like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, (laughs) (laughs) but like, he did not do that. Even in the last book, in the stand, like, he didn't talk like that. He didn't foreshadow that way. Well, and see, and here's, here's the, here's something that's also interesting. Uh, well, I mean, 
that's because we're seeing him grow as a writer this early in his career. He's yeah. still he's still finding and fine tuning, even though he's written his entire life. But as a novelist, we're seeing him refine that piece of his writing as a novelist. Yeah, and, and so, that's interesting. Like this is what he's going to carry on, but it's the perfect vehicle right. for that because it's oh, yeah. this guy whose life seems predetermined or, or, or who can see the future. Uh, it's, oh yeah. man, if this is the de- development of him as a writer and like a theme going forward, that's so extra exciting to me. Uh, well, that's cool. uh, but see, but I was, I was thinking too, like he, I, I have this book split up into quarters, right? And did you make uh, these distinctions or did book rags? Um, they, these do not follow book, book rags has a four week. That's essentially the same thing. Like they have it go over. I that's how I thought of it. Is we were going to discuss it over four weeks. Yeah. Um. But I didn't split it the same way they did. Oh, your but way I, has been great, dude. Really, it's good. ended on like great. But yes, I I really it's really close to literally the quarters of the book. It's like oh, it's within it's within seven to ten pages of it being the numerical quarter split into quarters. And if you think about that, he has, um, I think it's you that originally told me this, um, uh, and it was from the Cleveland filmmakers where it was a writer came in to talk about treatments and how like, you know, a treatment is broken up into like 15 minute segments, basically. And every 15 minutes you should have an, Oh shit. Or a, oh my God. Yeah. It's coming back you, to me. You know what I'm talking about? Like you should yeah. have an, Oh shit moment, or you should have a, that's right. Aha that's moment or some yeah. aha or, Oh shit, oh shit for sure. Yeah. Every, every 15. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Oh shit for sure. Wow. And, um, if you think about that, like so far, the quarters of the book have ended on these like fantastic set pieces of the story. And it's like to know that he mapped that, like, I don't know if that was intentional, but that just shows like his skill as a novelist, even this early in his career that like it has significant beats. Like it's following like a beat to the, to the pace of the book. Like, yeah. And that, isn't that crazy? It is like crazy. That, it works out really well. Like the way that you've divided these up as like, listen to this or like read these many chapters at once. Like when they end they they come, it's such a logical, like, Oh yeah. So, yeah. Very I, well I, done. I, and demarking those. Uh, and it, the, that was all a fluke. That was like, I took how many pages my oh, copy really? of the book was. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no like at this differently. It's like, oh, I decided based on the arcs of the no, story. No, I I took how many pages my book was. I divided that by four, and then I went to like the nearest chapters, uh, like the nearest chapter endings to those quarters of the book, and then I happened to look at what what ended each of those sections, and I'm like, this is fantastic. And it was today when I was thinking of that, where I'm like that really says something about his pacing in the novel that every like quarter of the book, it's ending on like a really like enticing beat where you want to continue on to the next quarter of the book, you know, like, and then it's like just timed enough where like, there's another really good enticing beat that you want to move on to the next quarter of the book. And 
I mean, that's that's to me like that's. I'm sure it was he would didn't plan it exactly like that, but that's but that's an inherent skill that th- there's a natural beat to his storytelling, um, a rhythmic beat even that happens consistently throughout the novel. Yeah, um, and, this might and be it, one of the first times he like really develops that. Right, uh, right. Going forward, because I mean, the stand is like this epic sprawling thing, and it has divisions and parts. Uh, and it, this, this seems to be an, uh, like a new, you know, you kind of build from your early works, small stories like Carrie, Salem's Lot, short stories, and then right. suddenly you move into like The Shining, and then it goes to The Stand, and that's fucking huge. And then you like rein it in a bit and figure, how am I going to structure these things if I'm going to have to make one a year, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It really, I, while it's still, very effective. while still improving my craft, so that I don't get stagnant. Like that's, you know, like, yeah. um, again, because he, I have read from multiple sources that it, critics consider it the peak of his skill as a novelist. Like that's like it's the best example of his skill as a novelist. Uh, maybe peak is a bad term because that implies that he declines then after it, because there's great books that he writes after it. Um, maybe but he, it's he the reaches best. a plateau of normality. I wrote that down from this oh. book. Like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Not that the plateau is bad either, but how many novels after this is it? Like how is it like oh, six years or know. something? It's like mid eighties um, or something. So this came out in 79 and I think it came out in 80. Uh, 80. That's kind of what I was thinking. Let me consult my supercomputer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of because I'm already starting to look forward. It's like, okay, next is fire started, but I don't know what's beyond that. And, uh, Uh, 1986, actually, it was published September. So, so so um, knowing the chronology and, 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 and realizing that this is him really coming into his own as a, not just as a novelist, but like as a guy, as a world builder, as we've talked about, like how soon does it start that things begin to overlap or. I don't want to spoil. I can't say, I can't answer that question or else I might spoil something because we still have a quarter of this book to finish up. (laughs) Okay. So. So forge forging ahead. I have this note about, uh, so, so Johnny and the, and the strangler come in to like, Conjunction. There's a sheriff calls him in. He's conflicted. Yeah. Eventually, he goes there to Castle Rock, right? And uh, yes, and agrees and, to. And this help. this is a great scene of either it. This scene either greatly dates the book or does kind of speak to the naivete of Stephen King as a novelist this early in his career. Because there is no fucking way that this would like this guy would be able to do any of these things that this sheriff lets this guy do. And if you know the fate, like if, speaking of universe builders, so Castle Rock is a, is a town that comes that shows up multiple times in Stephen King books and stories. Uh, sheriff Bannerman, that's this guy, right? Sheriff Bannerman. Oh, yeah. I didn't Bannerman. make note of him, but I, I sort of have this mental image of him, but I didn't catch the name. So later on in Needful Things, Needful Things takes place in there's uh Needful Things takes place in Castle Rock. 
And if you read that the current sheriff, some of, first off, some of the sheriff, some of the deputies names that you hear in this section are deputies in needful things that are like fleshed out characters that you get to like, isn't that so like there's that. And then, um, you find out that because and this isn't a spoiler because we're about to talk about this. The current sheriff at Castle Rock in Needful Things got elected sheriff when Sheriff Bannerman was ousted, basically, after how he bungled this case, <gasps> oh, the Strangler case. Oh, shit. And the Cujo case, because oh! Cujo also takes place <laughs> yes. in Castle Rock. Yes. Uh, so damn it. Um, those two things led to him basically getting voted out of sheriff, like the post of sheriff. Oh, and then exciting. you don't find that out until needful things gets published, which takes place in castle rock too. Very cool. This so, um, a non I, I, mean, I, I just be, realized in the, in the video feed, for those of you uh, listening you can go to YouTube, find us on long walk, short drink, uh, in the live streams. I never noticed we before. have one viewer. Oh yeah, Hi, it's Moto. probably Moto. Hi Moto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that really warms my heart that he's listening. But yeah, absolutely. Um, I never knew that your Dark Tower um, tattoo was on your left forearm. No, right. It's on my right. Right. Forearm. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at weird internet yeah, stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I I've seen a picture of it. But I, somehow through all these, I've never quite seen where it's located. I, I don't know why. I, I might have even thought it was a thigh or something. Or not a thigh, but a, a calf. That's fucking... I can't believe you would question your super fandom of the Dark Tower. That's what I'm talking about before. It's like this hard to be a fan. You felt you can't be a part of certain fandoms. And in episode 23, at least, you were in a question like, I don't know if I'm a super fan. Yes, no, because <laughs> no, because you read, you read, like you go and you read other fans, like other, like other analyses of those books. Uh, this is, I'm, and I'm sure this happens with any core group of fans for anything. There are certain levels, and there are people that I think I know those books. I think I have my own because there's a lot of stuff left up to interpretation in those books. I think I have my own take on those that are all whatever and then you read some of these other things and like they know ins and outs and all of this stuff that i am just like i'm never going to be at that level so i mean i see that i don't see that tattoo as like a testament to my super fandom which it's endearing that you do so that that's i mean i guess you're right that does make me a super fan um i just like i love these books i put it on my forearm so i could see it regularly you know like um, I, I just love these books and I like, I put it on my forearm. This is like the ultimate great t-shirt to me oh. it, because like I put this on my forearm. One of the reasons it's on my forearm is so that people would ask about it. So I could say it's about this amazing set of books written by Stephen King by the dark tower that you should read. And it oh. like, I use it as like an opener. Like I, I have, you would not believe how many times I've got to say that to people. Like it's, it's like, what's that tattoo on your arm mean? That's what I always get. Uh, what's that tattoo on your arm mean? Oh, it's from a series of books that I really like by Stephen King called The Dark mm. Tower. You should really read them. They're amazing. Oh, 
I uh, just see the episode for when we talk about maybe the first film or something being called the uh, the ultimate T-shirt <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so sorry for the, but but like I, I I literally never noticed that that's where it was on your on your body, and it's it's uh, your your commitment to this guy's catalog is uh, is staggering and and existed parallel to mine. That's one of the gri- the amazing things about this podcast and our friendship and the and the time in which it's occurring is like I start I started to listen to Stephen King's catalog completely on my own yeah. last year and you came to visit and I, we hadn't seen each other in person for years and I remember you standing in the media corner with like all like some of our episodes have been recorded there where like all of my you know my uh well films not really the 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 not the fiction books are upstairs and the nonfiction books are upstairs but the film books are downstairs with the with the movies on the media corner right. <laughs> but there's a lot <laughs> of them and uh, yeah and you're looking at stuff and somehow it came up this like oh I, I told you I've been listening to Stephen King started with Carrie and I I was maybe like three books in and you're like yeah, I've been doing that for three years and I just like bear hugged you because <laughs> I couldn't believe. That I knew someone in real life who was as as dedicated to that kind of a pursuit, more so really than I am. Like three years. In, but again, kind of the, four now, right? Do you <laughs> oh know what's God. funny is like that? Like that's. I am a completist, and part of that though is because of the influence of the cabin and really? and you guys. <laughs> like, and you know what I mean? Oh, like, like I'm both. and wanting to just have all of that, and so like. <laughs> And so I read the Dark Tower books and I had read, I, I, you know, I, Stephen King is, was an author that had come in and out of my life. You know, there were periods of my life where I really consumed a lot of his classics. Like there was a summer when I had dropped out of college and I, I read like, I I read (laughs) like, did you drop out of college? There was, I spent a year where I didn't go to college during my undergrad. Uh, 2002 to 2003. Oh. All right. I was gone that that year. Okay. I wouldn't have known yeah. that because of that. I didn't know um, that. I literally never knew that. But oh. I um but over that summer I read I read It, Dreamcatcher, maybe The Stand for the first time. Yeah, but Ooh. like, and, and and in books, I didn't do them in audio. Like, I had a really <sighs> shitty cube job, and so I just read a lot at that job. And so, they were just big, thick books that I could just get through, you know. And like, and I had already read some Stephen King prior to that, and he just like ebbed and flowed out of my life. But then when I finally went through the Dark Tower, like the whole Dark Tower series, and I'm like, oh, this is where it's at. Then I started to find out that there were connections to other Stephen King books. So I would read those to get those connections. And then there was a distinct point where I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to need to read all of them (laughs) so that I have all the connections. And I was like, in the way I want to do that is audio. And so then I ended up finding like a really good, I I found a a collection of Stephen King audio books and that's what I worked through. And man, was it, it was long. I like, it's laborious and I still have, I still probably have a year's worth of audiobooks to get through, like to consider myself done. Yeah. To right? catch up. 
Yeah. Um, it could be, I, I think maybe either 112263 or Under the Dome, whichever one was like published last. Uh, that's the last one that I, that's how far I am. So anything that's come out, he has, a, he's, he's released a whole, the whole Dr. Sleep trilogy or whatever. Like, uh, well, Dr. Sleep. Oh no, the, Dr. Sleep is the sequel to the shining, right? Yeah. But there is a trilogy like Night there's a Watch trilogy that, yeah, that he wrote I, that's come out. Like I haven't read any of like, I, I didn't even know those existed. So that's that, like, I have all that to get through still. So um, so I mean, and I'm so I technically I'm still going through that chronology. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, four years now, like three or four years. And, uh, I, I, yeah, the thing is like, I, I joke about it in terms of saying, uh, like how I wish I were consuming new things sometimes, but, yeah. but going through, uh, someone's chronology in this way is, is so profoundly rewarding. That, oh uh, yeah. I hope someone else is inspired to do so by these conversations. And because he's a universe builder, you come to this you really love I mean, yes, everything is tied to the Dark Tower books, but there are other books that are tied to each other. That like Dreamcatcher is tied to it. That's why I read those two back to back even though they came out 20 years you know, almost 20 years apart from each other. Um, so, but there's a connection between those two books and I, you just really, that's another little piece of this particular chronology, which really makes it rewarding is that he is very intentional about building in this universe and making those connections happen. And, uh, I think that really makes it rewarding. So, yeah. Well, and, and, and we're about to get to a place in this book where these differing uh, trajectories are like they're converging. Like, so we've been introduced to we've been introduced to Johnny and his life and his coma and his love and whatever. And we've been introduced to this guy who kicks a dog to death at the beginning that we fucking hate. Turns out to be this politician on the rise, Greg Stilson. And we've been sort of hint introduced in a way obliquely to this strangler like this killer right these are the three people who are following and at us we're about to talk about where all three of these things converge and and really they all kind of like one kind of dominoes into the others converging right so um he meets up with sheriff brandman and he it, it's really quick like it all happens in the same evening like he goes right from having dinner with him to going to the to the police station. Of course, there's fucking reporters there who recognize John Smith. Uh, he doesn't talk to him though; doesn't want anything to do with him. But he ends up using his power essentially to solve the the strength, like the crime. Like he, yeah, I I love. So he goes. He he's able to touch the bandstand that the crime happened in, which is the same bandstand that the first murder happened, which is like, Jesus, like another reason why Sheriff Bannerman, like, obviously like you're not doing your fucking job. If you can kill somebody <laughs> oh, in the same place that. twice, you know, like, Oh, I didn't know. Um, I was picturing it as like this. Cause I think I have these fleeting glimpses of the movie that I think I've seen, but maybe I haven't literally all I can picture is walking in that, 
and the navy pea jacket that they mentioned in the book. Yeah, yeah. And being kind of outdoors. I feel like maybe I haven't seen it, and I just thought I had. So you're telling me that the first murder that happened in the bandstand where the, the strangler chokes this, um, I don't know what, how age, what age the woman is, but she's not a child, and this child that he kills... Yeah. Oh, that's the same place in this gazebo. I'm picturing yeah. like a gazebo that like crams. Yeah, would yeah. I'm, I, that's the way I'm reading it. <laughs> I could for, be completely off, but anyways, he's there. He touches it and he finds out who the, he's able to tell who the murderer is. Uh, he, I, I don't want. I, I don't want to. I just want to say like, there's the moment where like they get uh, first. They give him the cigarettes, cigarettes that they find. Yeah, and he wants him to to see what he gets from that. And he doesn't get much. And right. so that's like the little like gap between Johnny not wanting to be involved, Johnny like begrudgingly going to see the sheriff. Then he doesn't flash on the cigarettes. And then there's this moment where he's not satisfied with that. And he goes back to the sheriff and he's like, I want to go to the place. Like, I want to see this location. Right. And I have to say, as a reader that didn't know where this was going, I was really excited at that moment where Johnny kind of i don't know it was that he kind of is a turning point the he's like fate that he's supposed yes, to suddenly that, he's like, a he's man embraced. on a mission and you're like yeah. fuck yeah like go get him johnny <laughs> yeah well, it's, it's like him, he johnny. even like after it's done like doesn't he hear his mom like mm. oh i don't know yeah so i i go from there to that light bulb that i had about fate but then i have so many frantic notes about when he does go to the location and he starts like digging in the snow and touching things and getting frostbite. And there's this whole like he slash I thing where he is suddenly like in, he touches these things. He's slick. They, they, oh yeah. They transports him into the mind of the, of the killer in a really, yeah. like these things are kind of a pro progression and like his flashes, like he, so in, he flashes on a doctor's, or nurse's son, like, yeah, he's going to be okay. But suddenly he has, and he says it in the foreshadowing, like about how powerful this flash is. I don't know if that, that's the right word about flashing, but like he, he absorbs all this information. He says it's only one time. Was it more strong? Like he foreshadows that in this moment, the author Stephen King does. And we're by the end of this like section, we find out that other time. <laughs> it's yep. pretty intense as well. Yep. Um, but yeah, all this stuff comes to him and there are certain things he can't see. And I just have this like he slash I because he's like he's he's seeing it through the killer's eyes yep. in a very specific way. And well, I even say, Sheriff Bannerman, when he tries to break the trance, he looks in his eyes and he his yeah. Johnny's eyes are the killer's eyes. Yeah, like I have this thing that says he seemed to be replaced by a quote human blank. Yeah, that, that I wrote yeah. that down. And um. So this happens and then Johnny tells the sheriff who it is. And then this leads, I love this scene though, between the two of them, this like back and forth and how Johnny. So he uses his power to solve the crime and that's not good enough. And then Johnny gets to prove that he's also a very intelligent person and logically breaks down with the sheriff why he's right. 
Oh yeah. Right. You know what I, like yeah. So Johnny so, like po- uh, like Johnny intuits through this experience we're talking about who the killer is very specifically. He's yeah. like and there are these interesting things like it's like it's a dead zone. He can't see this. And it's a raincoat and then he so there are certain things that his power reveals to him and certain things that he can see through the killer's eyes. But then he does have to employ his own intelligence to say like to kind of put the pieces together. And then he puts the pieces together to say that it is this person that I think he's actually just previously encountered. Essentially, he's a guy on the police force who was on crossing guard duty that day. Uh, and he crossed a- paths with him when he was coming into the station. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like this guy. And so he yeah. tells like the sheriff, like it's this guy. And to the sheriff, that guy is as close as that guy as the sheriff has to a son. And he's like, Fuck he's like kind you. of embraced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like decks him, like leads, like That's right. leads the sheriff to assault a citizen. Like yet again, this man should not be a sheriff. Like <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I really appreciate that about like some of the human interactions here, like where, yep, like the sheriff decks him and Johnny gets hit, and then, and then sheriff's like, "Fuck, I shouldn't have done that," or whatever. And Johnny's like, "I understand." Like yeah. those kind of human interactions, really. I don't know that I, I find <laughs> a lot of I find a lot in there. But I love this whole scene of where they're just like they're going through. You know, Johnny's like, "Well, we have to check this, and we have to check this, and and." They go through time cards and yeah. they basically end up finding that all the murders that took place in Castle Rock, Frank Dodd was not on duty. Yeah. Like this guy was, that's like a son to the sheriff and the sheriff's like, yeah. no, it can't be him. But Johnny's like, well, yeah. but can't it? And he's like, and can't, so you they're can't like, well, it. well, that's not proof. And they're like, what about this time where there's, when there wasn't a murder? Well, where was Frank Dodd then? Well, he was out of, he was out of the city. He was at this thing taking a class in Colorado so that he could become a cop here. And so they call out to Colorado and ask, were there any unsolved murders that fit these circumstances? And there was one, which then at that point, it's like, it's to the point, at least the sheriff wants to go talk to Frank Dodd. Um, And so they go back out in the snow and get to Frank Dodd's house and knock and his obese, domineering mother. Like, this is another really, this is an archetype that King uses a lot of single mothers. And I, I can only imagine that it harkens back to him growing up with a single mother, you know. What's so weird is like, in his accounts, he always speaks so glowingly of his mom. Right. Uh, which I guess is nice and, and honorable, but it's interesting that there are like what Carrie's mom, so many moms are so not cool to their like daughters and sons in his early books. Yeah. But I think part of that is just, I I think it's, it it's obviously like a caricature of, I don't know. Of those real relationships, like there are pieces of a parent and child relationship that just I think he just like is trying to accentuate and shine the light on some of those pieces that sometimes are not great about those relationships. Something that just occurred to me that may or may not be relevant at all is we never hear much about his dad. 
And uh, I'm just thinking Frank about God's dad. No, no, or, or uh, Stephen King's Stephen dad. King's dad. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm thinking about like Cameron Crowe's first directorial movie. So Cameron Crowe's a guy who has made some great stuff. Made some stuff that doesn't quite work as much. But like, if you think of one of his early movies, uh, some of his early movies combined. So in Almost Famous, you get a kind of quasi-autobiographical thing about him being this young prodigy. Like, it's it's a story of him that's, in a way, told through, like, a, a third person. So you get this this kid that gets involved in, like, music journalism young and stuff. And you see his portrait of his relationship with his mom. But right. if you contrast that or compare it to, say, anything... Uh, where there's a a very smart young woman, excuse me, sorry, a very smart young woman who has not a lot of boundaries with her father. Um, you can see autobiographically, say anything is really Ione Skye's character is the Cameron Crowe character in in yeah. the writer of that, and and the and the father is really the mother in that in the real life version of that story. But right. when he, so that's revealed through almost famous. So I have to wonder in a way, like maybe when he writes about a mother in a negative way in his early life, he's projecting that onto his father. In oh, some that, way. maybe. I don't maybe. know, but it, like, it obviously it comes from a real place, but it comes from a pretty consistently play pretty consistent place of like religious fanaticism <laughs> and yeah. you know um I, I don't know what the word is like not I a, just see it as this inflate like, I mean my mom was this way of like that's my boy and I'm going to take care even Greg still uh, wait we did not we're not there yet never I almost gave a spoiler <gasps> oh shit does he have Ooh. a kid Dude. No, no. <laughs> okay. No, he doesn't have a kid. Oh, okay. Uh, but like, but, but um, yeah, I do have a note about uh, right before we get to the scene we're about to talk about. One of my few observations that are not literal transcriptions. Uh, it says both Johnny and Frank, Frank Dobbs, had unhinged, mentally unstable, overbearing mothers. I wrote. Yeah. And then, yep. like moments later, I'm like, well, Johnny makes this connection when. He stares into Frank Dobbs' mother's smart, stupid little pig's eyes, and they reach an awful, perfect understanding when they touch. Yep. Uh, she some of knew. Those quotes, yeah. She knew. That's the whole what time. happened, is she knew. She knew since the very first murder and helped him cover it up. And, and she was the one that too, like when Johnny was like touching the things in, in the eyes of the killer, they talk about how he felt the pinch of the, of the clothespin that the mother put on his penis well, the as a first, kid. The first murder, when you're actually getting the internal monologue of the killer, he talks like he even goes back to that scene about how, you know, he didn't know what was happening. It just stood up on its own. And then his mom came in and put the clothespin on. Yeah. Boom. She's like, you want to be know? like one of those dirty fuckers. And that's yep. what like, that's what and all that sticks oppression. with him and, and, and turns into this, this, this thing. So 
they push past and go through the house, which turns out to be really creepy. Uh, <laughs> Surprise. Like the, the fact that Frank Dodd still sleeps in his like seven, it's still set up like a seven year old's bedroom. That's his bedroom. You know, it's, it's really Norman Bates. It's, a, it's, oh, it feels yeah. a lot like very Norman Bates. Yeah. Um, and so it, the, it ends with the last room that they haven't checked is the bathroom. And so then when they open up the bathroom door, Frank Dodd, uh, is in his raincoat that he always wore. That's how he was able to never have, like they were never able to get scratch him or anything because he was so slick because he wore his slicker, his rain yeah. slicker. Uh, so he's wearing his trademark rain slicker um, and had cut his own throat, which he, like King even puts the detail in like Johnny would never have even thought that was possible, but slit his own throat and, uh, Killed himself, knew the jig was up. And uh, that basically reignites the whole fire of Johnny's gifts um, and also causes the next plot point to move to the next plot point where um, his offer to come back as a teacher is rescinded because yeah. of the negative. They don't want the negative press to affect the school. I so, thought that was such a nice thing initially that that his, yeah. his old colleague was like, "Come on back and teach." Yep, that sucks. And and he and then he tells you know tells Johnny he's like, "You should really sue them because I'm pretty sure you'd be able to get every cent of your contract." Um, incidentally, I'm uh, re you know, for people listening, following along with the show. Uh, I'm reading the making of Enter the Dragon. <laughs> and nice. They, and they have they show they have the telegram uh, that's sent to Bruce Lee in in Hong Kong, telling him that that um, Warner Brothers will not go through with uh, what they were calling the Warrior at the time, which eventually came, became Kung Fu. Basically saying like you know, we can't finance this movie or this TV show based on an Asian lead. But that, but that eventually wow. like the guy, like sending that telegram, cool guy, like, like who's talking to Johnny says, you know, but somehow, you know, we'll find a way to work together. Fucking that became Enter the dragon. And well, that's for awesome. Johnny, <laughs> that became something different, but, but you know, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, sometimes shit falls apart, but, but there are yep. well-intentioned people behind it. And honestly, though, without that, we wouldn't get to the, it wouldn't lead to the all like the ultimate like climax of the book, or at least Ooh. from this, this part. So this cuts to Johnny basically escapes to New Hampshire. So he leaves Maine. Uh, he first gets a job as a short order cook, which leads to that was a little bit of a shock, but yeah, I yeah. was like, Whoa, that sucks. Well, he kind of goes like Bruce Banner, or uh, oh, like, yeah, like yeah. not Bruce Banner, but um, it, it is Bruce Banner, Stephen but, Banner, uh, it's David Bruce Banner, Banner but for the David for the, Banner for the television for the TV show. show. You know what? And, like, he just kind of like goes did you on hear the road. Why they call him that? I don't know if this is true. No, I, I heard, I don't know. So it's Dave. If you see like in the pilot episode, holy shit, like when I did the Dave Diggs, I know it's not on this show. I did like you said before, like I tried to to choose things that influenced my life. Like when you did top five, 
It's like these have right. to be things that like changed the way I thought, dressed, like acted, like really profoundly affected me. Right. The Incredible Hulk was in there, the TV show, because uh, it did. And uh, I heard at some point, so so I'm very familiar with at least certain parts of that show. So the, but the the pilot episode at the end is that fucking glorious thing where. Bruce, David Banner, whatever, he's at his own gravesite and he looks up and like half his face is his and half is the Hulk's, like in that case, Lou Ferrigno. And that's right. like what sets the whole series off. Holy shit. But so on the gravestone, it says David Bruce Banner. And the, in the comics, as Marvel is wont to do, everything is alliterative. God bless him. You know, Peter Parker. Bruce Banner, like that's how they right. fucking roll, and as it should be. Right. But some like so what I heard is some asshat in in TV land was like Bruce Banner's too gay. <laughs> so it has to be David Banner or something else. Like literal gay or just like this is stupid. Uh it's hard to say because it's the 70s. <laughs> but yeah. something like that. Like they thought it wasn't. Right. So they changed it. Uh, and so for me, it's weird. Like, I don't know. You don't, maybe you don't encounter this as much, but like, so I'm watching the Hulk pilot and like, you got the like female lead going, David, all the time. Like it catches my ear in a different way. Cause that's my name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, anyway, but, uh, yeah, they changed, they changed it, but like, it should be Bruce Banner, but, or David so Bruce Banner on, on the, on the gravestone. So, uh, but Johnny does David Bruce banner it and hits the road. It's a short order cook job. Yeah. Like the piano playing and he's like looking over his shoulder. Oh, I can't like, wait to introduce that to the show. Yeah. Uh, he does. He's like fucking short order. It's like werewolf. 1987. Yeah. That's a big, that's a same. Frank. So Lupo. he, and he ends up answering this ad for a tutoring job, which leads to him getting a really sweet gig. Mm. Uh, tutoring one-on-one -on -one with a kid who has a reading deficiency for a really wealthy man who like lets him live in his like guest house. And <clears throat> this is like the last group of characters that really influenced Johnny and um a little foreshadowing there, but uh, this period of his life really has an impact on the, like the last part of the book. Hmm. So. um, And it starts part like formally part two of the book. Right. Right. And um, this, and, and, and so he's working with this kid He's tutoring him. He's trying to help improve his reading, which he does start to do. He starts turning that around, which leads to this is the first time that Greg Stilson and um, Greg Stilson and Johnny cross paths because uh, the the man who hired him to tutor his son comes in to give him a five hundred dollar bonus for like because they're making such good progress. And Stilson's campaign, which the last time we saw Stilson was him saying that we need to prime the pump. Mm. Oh, no, wait. Did we skip over Sonny Ellerman's? Oh, That's yeah. So Sonny, like, intimidates. Who's this dude? Uh, Warren Richardson. 
so he badmouths um Stilson in an article he he offers um information to a reporter that basically sheds light on the shady um real estate deals that Greg Stilson raised his money with yeah right and so which the banker alluded to that Greg Stilson tried to intimidate, which um, in all of these workings that, that all the way back to Sonny, like think back to the first meeting with Sonny, who is just a, basically a thug, a biker. Right. Mm-hmm. And Stilson says, just keep me in mind because I'm going to, I'm going to need work from you. And I want you to consider it when I, when I offer it to you. And so then, the next meeting we see with Stilson is with this young kid and he intimidates that kid. And then the next one is the banker and he uses all the same tactics on the banker. And then the next scene, which should be a Stilson scene though, but who's mm. Stilson's place now? It's Sonny Ellerman because yeah. Stilson can't get his hands dirty now. All right. This dirty. He's called Sonny in from the ropes, like from, from the dugout, like from the, like the, uh, you know, the bullpen you're coming mm-hmm. up. So, and Sonny does exactly what Greg Stilson, like what we've seen Greg Stilson do. So he's obviously trained Sonny and and like, or mentored Sonny in these ways, like these tactics. Um, But it's basically, you should keep your mouth shut about people when you don't know all the information, especially if those people are running for office. (laughs) And so... Uh, and that's essentially the message that he delivers. And he really ends really, it, it's really, he's like, it'd be really terrible if something, you know, think about all the money you'd have to pay to a plastic surgeon if somebody were to throw a thing of battery acid in your wife's face. Yeah. Or, or think about kid. Yeah. And like, think about how terrible like, it would be if, if somebody just picked your kid up after kindergarten, on his way home from kindergarten, you know, yeah. and like, and so. You whole, see, like whole time he's like, like he got his hand. The whole time he's talking to him, Sonny's got his hand on his like, is on the back of his neck, like on like from behind. Yeah, basically, I could kill you right now. Like I could, I could turn you into a vegetable, but yeah, cut off your blood flow to your brain, basically. And, and yeah, uh, and I had this. I wrote this thing down where like I think this is what Richardson must have said in his internal monologue. He's like. His campaign, talking about Stilson, his campaign was an exercise in idiocy. Yep. And now, uh, strong arm tactics, talking about Sonny, no one could get away with this for long, for that long, in America. Not New, especially New, especially not New England. And then he says, yeah. like, and then, because of course he's being specifically threatened, uh, Richardson says to himself, it's like, Someone else would surely put a stop to it, right? Like, yep. it's like it can't be me. Like, I'm like being he's like I'm I'm there. I'm there's too much, and so yet again, like there's an there's another parallel that to current events that I feel like that just this strong arming and this these shady tactics, like, and, and surely someone else will take care of it. Like, that's and surely the, someone else will take care of it. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And that's that what let it get to the ago. point. Yeah, and uh, so there's that. And so then, so now let's jump back to, this is the first time that Johnny's path and Stilson's path really cross and it's over television broadcast. Yeah. And this is the first time that Johnny sees Stilson and 
Chad's dad, the man who hired him, basically like says like he's hilarious, like he's the town fool, he's the village idiot, but he's entertaining. Ooh, yeah, that and, fucking hit me in a big bad way. <laughs> Dude, go, and is you that go first. not like that's that's the first? I feel like the first ten months of Trump's campaign. Oh, that's yeah. what people were saying was like. He's not going to go anywhere. This is just, but it's entertaining. It's good. To, it's fun to watch. Yep. Look at our ratings. The more we talk about them, the more our ratings go up. Like I remember the, the, the bride's cousin with whom we are very close and of whom I'm very fond went, he, they don't have cable. So they literally can only like watch like ABC or whatever. And, yeah. uh, when all that was going on, like he would joke about it. as like, that's, this is like my news porn. And I yeah. remember feeling very strongly at the times like this is not fucking funny. Like it was never funny to me. And that's yep. how John Johnny felt. He's like, Johnny's like, is this is this guy a candidate? Is isn't this a joke? <laughs> like, right. Uh, and there are times when Johnny thinks it's kind of funny. And granted, it, this is a story. Like we're dealing with this in fucking real life. But I, I, I remember that very specifically. That was like a big thing. Like people thought it was funny. I remember watching The Apprentice. I thought he was funny in The Apprentice, talking to f- fucking what dipshit or Brent Michaels or the other. Like I, I like Brent Michaels as a celebrity cuckold. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever <laughs> and uh you know it's fine to see dipshit trump like tell him he's fired but like when that guy was up for actual political office i nope. was nauseous and disgusted from day one and that's not to sing my own praises that's just to say like what the fuck is going yep. on and yep. that like and i think it's interesting with johnny because johnny was asleep for four years right he wakes up. He's like, this is fucking going on now. Yep. <laughs> this counts. Well, and so and what's interesting is this was the other parallel that I really just like floored me was the speech that he sees on television is going over. Greg Stilson first off comes up on the stage. He has a hard hat. That's that's there. There you go. So like yeah, that's not a red his, hat, like, but a hard hat, not a red <laughs> hat. It's a hard hat, but it's again, it's a hat. That's his like linchpin, his icon. Right. So there's that. He then goes through to talk about his planks, which of his platform, <laughs> the planks of his platform five and yeah. this room. Yeah. The five planks of his platform, one of which is to shoot all of the world's pollution into outer space. That sounds almost as lofty as building a giant wall that like between us and Mexico. Like, yeah. And, you, and you Superman four, you're going to send the nukes into space. Fucking a right. <laughs> like, and we all know how that ended. Yeah. So. Canon it, films. It just, <laughs> canon films. It <laughs> ended with the star baby. Superman. <laughs> coming in and killing Superman. But it, so you have. That also, that speech really reminded me of, I remember it was finally in the point in the campaign that they had backed, like they had really pushed Trump into, you keep saying your plans, your plans, and there's, you have given no solid (laughs) anything. And he finally calls this big press conference and he's like, these are the five things that I don't know if it was five, but he does this same speech. Like these are the things 
This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And they were all ludicrous. Yeah. And he's like, we're going to promise rain up. and shit. <laughs> like, and like then, Stilson. and then this is the, this was the coup de gras. And this is coming back to the book. Sarah eats a bad hot dog, which mm. ruins Johnny's life. Yeah. They don't get to fuck. <laughs> the, they don't get to fuck. <laughs> Then while he's barreling down towards his fate of getting into that car accident, he he gives this whole analogy about the 70s about how a whole generation of youth was fed a bad hot dog by somebody named Johnson. And then so the solution to that was another politician named Nixon saying, Oh, here, eat more hot dogs. Mm -hmm. And then you have Greg Stilson literally handing out hot dogs. Yeah. So it's like, like this analogy of like of his hot, platform, right? He's yeah. Like, Fucking hot dogs. Everybody. For everybody. Hot dogs. Yeah. <sighs> and, it, and so it's like this symbolism of the, of hot dogs for some reason comes back again of like, uh, like this guy, obviously like here is a bad politician trying to feed more bad hot dogs to people and they're eating it up. Um, so, uh, that kicks off this like new hobby of Johnny's, right? Um, oh, which which actually had kind of started when he was a short order cook. He was saying like he had free time on his hands. Oh yeah, and so yeah. He would so go and, and it was an and election year. Yeah, and a it's a bicentennial election. election year. It election year. Yeah. On top of that, and so uh, he starts this hobby where he essentially tries to schmooze and get a reading off of. Uh, politicians like well, as she's shaking their hands he tries to see if his power will give him a vision right yeah Um, and not very many of them do but I love the Jimmy Carter scene oh yeah Uh, it, it's very endearing because uh, oh, like Jimmy Carter is the epitome of endearing in general <laughs> so right like, that whole thing is very cool and so because uh, he shakes his hand and he does flash and Johnny's only words is like, you're going to be elected president. And Jimmy <laughs> Carter is like, yes, I do believe I am. And that's how it ends. And it's like, it's really just sweet and endearing and, uh, and nice. And so, um, the gardener that works at the, for the same man that hired <laughs> oh, yeah. him to tutor, go, uh, go. Yeah. Very fun. <laughs> um, is is going for his citizenship and is talking about how they're going to go to a rally. His class is going to go to a rally. Uh, Cause Greg Stilson is in New Hampshire. He's running for New Hampshire Senate or house Congress. I think house, basically. right? Yeah. And, and uh, go so, is Vietnamese, which is kind of interesting in terms of, which the is interesting. Whole, yeah. The time the, period. Yeah. Um, but he's going for his citizenship and his class is going to watch Stilson speak. And so Johnny, has that weekend to himself and makes other plans. He wants to go watch a baseball game and like take a picnic lunch to a baseball game. Yeah, I, uh, I love that. It, it's like I love that whole plan that he has. Like I'm yeah. gonna pack three big, oversized like ham sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, and a six pack of beer because Johnny is very often noted to be drinking like soft drinks. Like yeah. I'm drinking. He's, I'm grabbing another Pepsi. I'm drinking a seven up in the pool with go or whatever, but like 
so so this idea that he's like, I'm gonna go catch a baseball game, I'm gonna hit up these bookstores, I'm gonna bring a six pack. I'm just like, this sounds like the most perfect like bachelor weekend or whatever. Yeah. But he's trying to fight this impulse to go see to go his to ass this rally, on to go TV. see Stilson. Yeah. yeah, because he felt something on that TV from that TV thing. So he tries to go to the game and invariably like fate or whatever you want to call it. He his just random driving, whatever leads him to the Stilson rally. Um, and it's almost, uh, he does. I love his observations about the rally as well, because it feels, I, I don't know. I feel it feels like what I would imagine a Trump rally would have felt like. Like just this energy, like this, we're ready to kick ass and take names. Energy, yeah. um, and people not really know. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just like the girl with the watermelon and like just oh, waving God, yeah. and like weird stuff and like the pool cues. Um, like the, the like there's this like this self militant. Like the self patrolling going on in this, uh, at this thing, um, yeah, the the pool cues being from, uh, Sonny and all the motorcycle gang that he essentially enlisted as his his security. Yeah, I mean, it calls to mind like Altamont. It's like, and and actually, not just it calls to mind like Stephen King mentions it as fucking last time you had the hell's angels as security motherfuckers got stabbed at a concert. (laughs) Like that's what happens. And that's the vibe that Stilson's putting out, but Stilson's also appealing. It's so ridiculous. Like he's got this fucking ecology pro ecology, like hat, uh, hard hat. He's got this patchwork thing of, Things that he thinks people should care about that, of course, none of which he gives a shit about, like the environment or jobs or whatever. No, it's power. That's all. All he wants is power. That's it. And it's so reminiscent of, you know, another empty promised orange fuck that that ultimately rode this fucking wave to the White House. And so, like. Which Mm. Johnny rides a wave of the crowd. Yep. And is forced to basically interact with Stilson. He he tried all the way up until the point that their hands connect. Because Stilson's going down the line and he's shaking hands. And there's a rush and Johnny's forced forward. And his hand is almost put into Greg Stilson's. Yeah. And this is the, this is the second time the Flash was this strong, right? Like, yep. which you alluded to earlier. The other earlier. time with Frank Dodd. Yep. And... The vision that Johnny sees is not is not good. Not good at all. So <laughs> No. No. This is one of the few things I'd like to like read actually. Oh, yeah, it go really ahead. hit me hard. Um and it goes on for a while, but I'll just read maybe the first paragraph of it because it goes on for some really visceral sure. language. So suddenly it, it says, For Johnny and had never been this strong. Never. Everything came at him at once, crammed together and screaming like some terrible black freight train highballing through a narrow tunnel, a speeding engine with a single glaring headlamp mounted up front, and the headlamp was knowing 
everything, and its light impaled Johnny Smith like a bug on a pin. There was nowhere to run, and perfect knowledge ran him down, plastered him as flat as a sheet of paper, while that night-running train raced over him. He felt like screaming, but had no taste for it, no voice for it. The one image never escaped as the blue filter began creeping in. Was Grizz was... Was Greg Stilson taking the oath of office, it being administered by an old man with a humbled, frightened eyes of a field mouth, trapped by a terribly proficient battle-scarred tiger, barnyard tomcat? It goes on. It's like suddenly the 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 verbal gymnastics like just like hit you in the yeah. face when 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 these two guys touch. It is the culmination of everything. And it's like, it's literally the climax of the book. It's where it's what the book has been barreling towards this moment. Yeah. And so he sees Greg Stilson becoming president and he ultimately, I don't think it's as good. I, I I don't think the book does as I, I would have to read it in the text to see if it comes right out. But the implication is that he leads then the U S to nuclear war. Mm. And oh, the, dest- I see and the destruction of humanity. That's that's really yeah, that's implied. Something like that is implied. That that that's what happens. And so, um, he, through his poor choices as the president, he leads the nation to nuclear war, which is not good for anyone. <laughs> no. Uh, so, um, and that and that's that's where we're left, right? Like. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, uh, uh, it's... He's knocked unconscious by, like, Stilson knows something happened. Johnny obviously saw his vision. They know something's wrong, and one of the biker guys comes up and knocks Johnny out. That's... Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, Johnny gets (laughs) knocked out by the motorcycle. Uh, um, the, uh, The one thing that I have this note about that we haven't talked about was what... Um, his, his, uh, the kid that he's tutoring, Chuck's dad says to him, which it, Chuck's dad is like cackling watching Stilson on TV. That's where Johnny first sees him. Like Ch- Chuck's dad comes over to say, you know, thank you to Johnny for helping his son learn how to kind of overcome his reading problem, which incidentally, it seems like Stephen King doesn't believe in dyslexia. you have to remember that you have to remember the time period that this was coming out though like that's like that was probably a really a new diagnosis oh i hadn't thought of that Uh, and like an early in an early understanding and he also was an a high school english teacher so he would have been like adverse in that theory in those in those like emergent theories of that time so i hadn't thought about um um so I I I mean maybe at that point in time I'm just saying like throughout time in, in, maybe in 1979 dyslexia was a, a a new theory that just was not mainstream yet. And he does this so, nice uh sort of mental ninjutsu on the kid of where like the kid had these like built up expectations about uh reading proficiency and just sort of life uh I don't know achievements based on his his dad's achievements right. that that made it so if johnny could misdirect him to, into not thinking so much about his reading comprehension or, or abilities he was able to perform better and so the that the father the that it was employing him comes over to say like hey you're doing a great job with my son i'm gonna give you this great bonus like whoa 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 
I got to see this on the news and it's Stilson. And like the father is freaking out and laughing and thinking it's so funny. And Johnny's like, what the fuck? Like this counts? Like this is a real candidate. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. You know, he'll go in there and he'll be like this two year, uh, uh, you know, politician. And that's worst case. He says, and that's worst case scenario. That's even like, that's even if the off chance he gets elected, like, Right. He'll go his, and spend his two years. He'll collect his paycheck for that time, and then he'll be done. And then they'll they'll look someone else who's learned better the lesson. And he's like, "What's the lesson?" He's like, "Don't fuck people over for too long." That's the lesson. Yeah. And yeah. I was just like, "Holy shit!" Because that's like kind of our only hope right now as Americans is that people realize like. So that's kind of what got us into this mess in terms of a certain uh, segment of the population feeling neglected, feeling fucked over as though they weren't being catered to or listened to. And they're like, well, we'll just like grasp for any candidate that is anti-establishment in the hopes that they speak in our best interest. When of course these fuckholes like Stilson or Trump are like, they just say anything like his whole like get up and his like stupid fucking hat and all these things like, it's it's completely empty. He's just appealing to what he thinks people will right. want to hear. And right. and what's crazy is in 1979. He looks like, at it all as ratings. Yeah. That was unfounded. Like in 1979, this is just fantasy. But in real life, like in 2016, yep. like this happened. <laughs> it's fu- and uh it's mind-blowing, right? It like really it really is. Yeah. And in the way that this sort of predicts it is, is I, i'm glad that you came to that like well maybe this being released re-released on audiobook was not a coincidence like maybe you no, know i don't think there so. was some i don't think there was because i felt that way too i i i, I felt that that was it, there are so many parallels that it made sense for this to get re-released. It's like Handmaid's Tale, you know, like the resurgence Ugh. of that story. Did you know that that's the bride, the bride's favorite book, and that I had oh, to really? read it be- when we first got together? Yeah, I need to read that book. I haven't read it. It's um, um yeah, or I mean, oh, I can't, because they call. Yeah, it's like I I want to re reread it and watch the series, uh, but it is deeply disturbing, of course. Um. So the I wanted to uh to mention oh um the second part of the book is called The Laughing Tiger. I was hoping maybe you had some better notes than I did about Go's um assertion or observation that Stillson has a bit of the laughing tiger uh in him. You know that there are um, a lot of characters. Well, and I like got that. this. I got this from the book rag notes because I I was really having trouble piecing that together too. Uh, the, essentially, the laughing tiger. The whole point of the laughing tiger is, even though it's laughing and having a good time, it still is biting. And so, no matter how, what a tiger, what appearance a tiger is putting out front, don't ever forget that it's still a tiger. Oh yeah. Oh, so like, even though like Stilson is like doing all this, uh, doing all these things to appeal to his, his constituency, don't lose sight of the fact that he's still a dangerous person. Yeah. He fucking kicked a dog to death at the beginning of the book. And that's why we saw that. That's why King put that there. Right. It it, it, like, you need to remember like this, what he's capable of, especially to things that stand in his way. So 
Um, that, yeah. So, like, all right. So the last assignment, uh, is going to be, uh, chapters twenty-one through the end. There's an epilogue in there too, or author's note. I forget which one it is, but so chapters twenty-one through the end. And then here are the three questions to help guide your reading. All right. Um, chapter, it starts roughly in chapter 24 and kind of roughly goes through the epilogue, through the end. Um, and it's not all the time, but he really, cha King changes his narrative style. Uh, do you remember the end of Carrie? How the, the last portion of Carrie is really told through like newspaper clippings and stuff oh, like yeah. that. That's like, totally uh, like not stole, but very reminiscent of how Dracula, the book is, is unfolded in diaries and, and newspaper okay. and stuff. Uh, well, he picks up in chapter 24. He starts, he starts telling the rest of the book through this like mixed media like that, like where yeah. it's letters, it's, it's newspaper articles. It's that kind of thing. Um, so thinking of how he changes the narrative style that late in the book, what, why, why did he change? Why? So what would be the reason do you think he would switch to the dominant mixed media versus the original narrative style? Um, the implicit. So <clears throat> is Johnny's power a result of bad luck and evolution, meaning like his car accident, undid some some piece of his brain that the damage to his brain creates the dead zone so he can't see everything but without the damage he wouldn't have that gift at all mm. right uh so is it that or is it the hand of a higher power and fate imposing its will on a helpless johnny like mm. So which which do you think it is? And then the last question, your reaction question, uh, and this will, this is now, now that we have seen Johnny's vision, this will become a recurring thing in this last portion of the book. Uh, if you could go back and kill Hitler, would you? That's the last <laughs> question. So uh, That's for all uh, Tell Him Steve Day fans. <laughs> like, listen, yeah. that is a very common... Uh, uh, thread in the tell him steve dave podcast that i like oh nice yeah they come back to a lot <laughs> um, babies so, and stuff yeah <laughs> so yeah so that's the <clears throat> that'll bring us bring us through the end of the book um but yeah um thanks a lot for listening sticking with us through another like four hour long conversation <laughs> uh, yeah We'll we down. did we we did like hardly <laughs> any bits and we still talked for almost four hours like that's crazy. i love it i i'm yeah. so glad to have to have had the conversation we had prior to the book club to introduce yeah i fell to our lexicon the steve backstory oh yeah oh my god yeah 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 i want to i want to leave the 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 book club listeners with these couple of things uh i found i found it interesting that go the 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 other what was go sorry he what did he do there do you remember oh he was a he was like the landscaper the groundskeeper okay. yeah the groundskeeper who was of vietnamese descent who who told uh i guess if it's just a house it'd be a gardener right oh like yeah the gar yeah so he's telling um johnny about stilson he's like there are, there are many men 
like this in Vietnam, these these kind of laughing tigers, as as it were. And I, I thought about that a lot in terms of like despots and certain world leaders that, you know, are not what we would embrace in America as 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 our ideals, but unfortunately sometimes can um, rear their ugly heads. But also this other note that, that Johnny associates Stilson with the, quote, pattern destructive madness of Frank Dodd. So, like, we've been fed these three narratives, like Johnny, Stilson, and the Strangler. And for, for Johnny, there's a strong correlation between the Strangler and Stilson, which I find interesting. And that Johnny, at some point, admits to himself that he collects handshakes and he's been looking for a wild card. Like yeah. this idea, like when he was the short order cook and going out to watch politicians and touch, you know, shaking their hands and trying to kind of get a sense of things. Like this is after he helped with the strangler and true that he wants to stay out of the limelight, but there's something in him that's like drawing him to the, to the Stilson appearance and, and 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 wanting to be of service, I think, in that same way, like as a as a I, as a reader, you're like that thing where he engages after the cigarettes and he wants to get the killer. Like you yeah. want him to get involved. You want him to save us from Stilson. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. And he admits to himself that he's been looking for the political equivalent of Frank Dodd. Like he literally says that right. Uh, right. to himself or admits that to himself. So that's kind of what we're heading into in this last section of the book. And I'm so excited. Like I literally finished my assignment this morning on the drive into work and I'm going to start my next one tomorrow. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's been that's very exciting. rewarding this whole thing. So thank you for all the work you put into it. I think it's been great. Um, I'm looking forward, you know, we obviously can't do this for every Stevie, you know, for every Stephen King book that we do, but not until I'm Stephen King himself doing... pays us t- to make yeah. this our full time job. <laughs> I, I, but I am definitely looking forward to like the next book club because this has been great. So. Oh yeah, th- yeah. Thank you for thank you to Book Rags for providing some some framework. Um, yeah. Thank you to Audible.com or Audi- well Audible.com, this service that if you were to go there or Audible Trial rather Audible Trial, fucking hell. Audibletrial.com yeah. slash LWSD. Pod. Get your free yes. audiobook. <laughs> Thank you. I always think pod, but it's not pod. No, nope. get your free audiobook, LWSD. It's just slash LWSD for Long Walk, Short Drink, your podcast. Yeah. My podcast. <laughs> My podcast, too. You can download the Dead Zone for free or whatever book that suits your It fancy. should be the Dead Zone, though. I think that's so. the one. I mean, after listening to yeah. all this, don't you want to know how it goes? Yeah. Don't we hear Frank or read the, it? Although, if the, if you can get it for free, the narrator for it's really good too. Uh, Who is so, it? I don't know. It's just somebody, but it, he reads Ooh. it really well. Oh shit! So, oh, that's coming up. I gotta read Firestarter next. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but all right, I'm Palmer. I'm Dave. Thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking in with us. Thank you, Palmer, for for putting us all to, together. This has been really fun. No problem. Thanks, man. All right. Be well. Yeah, you too.
Oh, <laughs> I think I know where our viewer is. <laughs> is it Double D? No, it's oh. Mono. He's like, dude, are you wearing headphones? <laughs> oh. Is there an I echo? Have, no, no, they're earbuds. He's like, I don't see him. Good man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>